This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jason talk with Dale Crover of the Melvins. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me in just a moment will be my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak, for episode 241 of season five. This is a very special episode. Sit back, relax. It's an interview with Dale Crover of the legendary band, The Melvins. Let's get to it. Jay, this is Dale. Dale, this is Jay. Hey, Dale. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. You're in Austin. I am. Is it blazing? Is it blazing hot where you guys are? Because it is here in Los <laughs> Angeles. Uh, it's been a hundred degrees for two months, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, okay, so you guys are used to it. <laughs> here, it's like it's, it's insanely hot. Dude. Yeah, thank God but, uh, I don't have to deal with like, that. What's the temperature now? And here, well, it's going down now, but it was like 100 degrees here today. Yeah, it's getting better. Yeah, luckily it doesn't it's stay not, hot. It's not humid. I can deal with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, All right, so what? What's your time frame? Because uh, we tend to just ramble on as long as people will let us. Um, what? Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you when I'm done with you then. Okay. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> How long you guys want? Uh, we, we'll go as, we'll go as long as, you know, we'll try to, we'll try to keep it reasonable. Um, we've, we've okay. done hour or up to like three hour, but we'll, we'll try to keep it reasonable. I just, I just had a birthday party for my three-year-old today. So I'm pretty wiped out. We had like 25 people over and a lot of kids running around and there was cake and tears and that kind of stuff. Oh, so I know the story. I, I, I know that story exactly. <laughs> uh, that, that's why, that's why I, have, I like to have uh, my birthday parties for my kids at uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese because you can mm. go in there and you can let them run wild and, and they don't have to, uh, you, know, you don't have to even pay attention because they can't get out of the place without like a, a parent, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then you don't have to clean up after it. So it's perfect. I, that's where I'm so, petitioning. I've had, I've had kids, I've had kids over my, yeah. Yeah, I've had kids over here at my house, and it's just a nightmare. Last time we had a birthday party for, for uh, uh, who was it? I guess it was my son. So somebody got bit by one of the rats that we have. So that was that was fun. All right, then. That was a success. They won't be back next year. No, we won't have another one. <laughs> no, that was it. I'm like, that's it. You know, I told you. <laughs> I told you, uh, uh, no more birthday parties at the house. So, and it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, ah, whatever they want to do, really. Yeah. Sleepovers are a, a, a big one, too. My daughter had a sleepover one year, and I was like, oh, my God, just go to bed. <laughs> I am dreading that. I am a hundred percent. Yeah. Nine. About to turn Nine, ten. Okay. It's, yeah. it's coming up. Luckily, I'm going to be on tour when her birthday happens, so. Well, now that's, that's kind of mean to say. <laughs> I'm going to miss her birthday. No, but it's honest. I'm going to miss the party. Yeah. No, actually, we're going to celebrate before I go, so it'll be fine. Gotcha. Disneyland. 
tomorrow. Have well, you ever been to Disneyland before? I've been to Disney World, but not Disneyland. Okay. Yeah. Well, that one's okay, but Disneyland, that's the one. That's the one for sure. I'm sure at some point we'll be we'll be visiting one or the other because she's obsessed with the Disney Junior Channel. So uh, there's a oh, trip there in her future. I just didn't want to go too early because, you know, they they're not going to experience it the way that they will when they're a little bit older and be able to, like, take it all in and, and enjoy it more. Now she's she's just it's too much like it's too overwhelming for her. Well, so, how, old, how old is she? Three. She turned three. Three. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we have the, the, the uh, 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 we're lucky that we're able to go to Disneyland anytime we want to because it's so close to here. And I think our kids, I think we took our daughter when she was maybe, oh gosh, I don't know if she was barely a month old, <laughs> maybe five weeks, six weeks, something like that. <laughs> but that's because we were Disneyland obsessed. We like going there, but they've right. always gone. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah and for us, it's that. a it's a plane ride and then a hotel and then rental cars yeah, and all that exactly. kind of stuff. But that's, I used to live in uh, Buffalo, New York, and we're 10 minutes away from Niagara Falls. And you would hear of people like coming in from other countries to visit Niagara Falls. And I'm like, it's just water going over some rocks. Like, why are you getting so excited? But people would be like, all about checking out the falls and taking pictures. And I just never. Right. And that's the big, that was the big honeymoon place, right? Yep. Yep. Used to be in like the 60s and 70s. Uh, now why, why? Yeah. I wonder, why was it the big honeymoon place? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I think they just had a big, you know, a hotel, a convention type area, right, right. which all declined in the 80s. And then in the 90s, they put in casinos. So it's kind of gained some of that back because they put in the Indian oh, casinos. Right. So have, um, you seen the movie? have you seen the movie Niagara? No. When did that come out? Oh, uh, 60s. It's with Marilyn Monroe. It's, um, I want to say it was close to the end of her career. That's a really great movie, though. Really good uh, uh, mystery suspense movie. Um, no, One the only movies. the only Niagara Falls reference I have is I think Superman two, when he uh, marries Lois okay. Lane and they go to they go to Niagara Falls on their honeymoon, and um, right, <laughs> that's about it. I'm looking at the poster for Niagara and the tagline is Marilyn Monroe in Niagara, a raging torrent of emotion that even nature can't control. <laughs> that's great. Wow, Woo! yeah. Well, yeah, you have to watch that movie. one. It's a good one. Yeah, great movie. <coughs> well, I didn't uh, expect the conversation to, Tim, to go in this direction, but all right. <laughs> Tim, I got a I got a really bad cough, so I'm going to be muting myself a lot. So if I drop off, uh, if you're at talking to me and I'm not responding, it might be because of that. Okay. So I'm going to try to make it so you don't have to do a ton of that, ton of editing and then and cut myself on this end. So I, I appreciate that. I don't want to cut cut out all of your coughs. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, we should probably actually get some started with some of the questions that I wrote down. Um, sure. so I, I, I don't want to get into, I, I feel like the stuff that, um, the work that you did and, and playing with Nirvana and with Kurt and that kind of stuff has sort of been written about at, at you know, a, a billion times and, I think our listeners probably have read those interviews or listened to those interviews before. So I kind of wanted to cover some different stuff um, sure. from your career. And in one of the things that I read, um, 
and it, you can tell me if this is is false or true. On the Wikipedia page for you, it says that um, you were recruited out of an Iron Maiden cover band to join the Melvins in 1984. Is that true? Uh, well, Iron Maiden cover band makes it sound better than it actually was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where we grew up, there, <laughs> you know, um, where we grew up, there just there, there wasn't a lot of bands. I mean, I think I knew every musician in town. And uh, I played with just like a cover band, like a high school cover band. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I wish they played all Iron Maiden songs. That would, that would be better. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was it was like you know, um, oh god, you know, popular songs at the time. Like, uh, 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 and they had to fight ballads too since they're playing high school dances. But you know, um, Eddie Money songs. Uh, mm. um, I'm trying to think of like what maybe it was the worst song. Um, Luckily, we didn't have to play any Journey songs. I think I would have refused on that one. But uh, <laughs> Jeff Leppard, Scorpion, stuff like that. Hard rock mixed mm. with, like, salad type of stuff. Cute trick. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was fine, but, I mean, I was 14. So, you know, to be able to play in a band that young was was, uh, was great, you know? Yeah, so what... It was cheesy at the time. I wanted to ask then... Um... So was that the first sort of organized band setting that you were in, or were you in any sort of like an original band before that or at that time? Well, I used to play with this guy that was older than me. He was like a, a, a friend of mine's older brother. And um, he played guitar and I played drums and somehow we hooked up. And, and uh, uh, yeah, like he wrote original stuff and uh, we were we were in that would that would maybe be more of the Iron Maiden cover band because we really liked uh, uh, Judas Priest like Unleashed in the East era Judas Priest Iron, uh, earlier Iron Maiden before Bruce Dickinson was in the band Black Sabbath um, you know more more of like the harder edge uh, British uh, new wave of heavy metal type of stuff okay and uh, um, that dude also um, learning from Sabbath knew knew the uh, drop D tuning. You know, like kind right. of songs like Into the Void and stuff like that that are drop D. And he had actually showed that to Buzz. Um, so I was playing with this guy before I joined the Melvins. And, and uh, um, yeah, one day he was over and we were, we were practicing same time or whatever. And, and he showed Buzz that tuning and then we started writing songs in D. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, uh, that, it was, it was sort of a band, but it was uh, mostly just me and this guy playing. We were a two piece. Way before the white stripes, <laughs> two-piece heavy metal band. So, were there particular uh, records or or artists that you were listening to that you emulated as a drummer when you were first learning that you were playing along to the records that that you were trying to copy? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I learned drums from playing with uh, Kiss records, Kiss records, Ted Nugent records. Rush Records, um, and then Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, eventually I, I took lessons and stuff like that as well. Okay, and, uh, but I, I, I always like like copy stuff. I, but yeah, listening to the records, and, you know, um, maybe happening happen to see a band play and just you know watch the drummer. That's how I learned. How, well, how did you get into drums? How did you get into drums? What was the uh, the catalyst for that? Well, I was. I was, uh, 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 I played guitar first and, um, mm-hmm. oh God, I don't know. Like, like I started playing guitar when I was eight years old 
um, had an acoustic guitar and took lessons at the uh, local library, learning like kumbaya and 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 you know. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, by the Beatles, like really, you know, stupid, easy songs to learn. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, our neighbors had a drum set and I borrowed it and just kind of messed around with it. And, and uh, uh, early on in grade school, I was in a talent show and I, I recruited one of my friends to play drums. And I was like, no, here's how you do it. And just kind of showed him how to, how to play a beat, not knowing myself really, you know, besides having like the, <laughs> Yeah, the, the little the little kid drum set when I was you know six years old, I had like a little toy drum set, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so you know, from from that, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And, and uh, um, I also had a, another friend, older friend who lived a, a block away from me, who uh, played guitar. He, he eventually was in the band Metal Church, but uh, uh, he he was very oh. influential on uh, um, on, on uh, introducing me to all kinds of. Uh, 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 different music like um, Zeppelin and Bowie and and uh, Judas Priest and and uh, you know a lot of that stuff as well. Uh, he's the one that convinced me that I should play drums. He's like, yeah, if you play drums, you can bring the drum set over to my house and we can jam. So that was it. <laughs> That's how. So I it sounds like a lot of a lot of friends were influential. Did you come from a musical family at all? Um, a little bit. My older brothers played. You know, they played guitar and and and, and were in band in school. Um, my parents didn't really play, and, and you know, maybe a little bit, but you know, I, I learned most of the music stuff from my older brother and friends. You know, I, I got the hand-me-down records, like I got uh, my first records were you know, Beatles records and Monkeys records from my brothers. Mm-hmm. I think I got Glenn Miller and stuff like that from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they were at. So my parents were a little yeah. bit older, but they were still hip enough to let us. Uh, 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 rehearse at the house and things like that once we started uh, uh, forming bands. Oh, nice. So when you decided, or I don't know if decided is the right word, but was there a moment when you were playing, um, whether it was with the cover bands or, or with Buzz, where you said, you know, this is going to be, this is what I'm going to do, or was it more gradual than that? Oh, no, yeah. No, I, I decided, like, probably in about sixth grade that this is what I was going to do, you know, and because I was really into Kiss. <laughs> I wanted to be in Kiss. I didn't just yeah. want to be like Kiss. I wanted to be in Kiss. We've heard that from Maybe a lot someday. of people. We've we've talked so, to a number of says, musicians, you know, same, same, same and Kiss age. is the thing that unites everybody. Yeah, they were. I mean, I was already into, like, you know, like I said, Beatles and Monkeys and stuff like that, but... Um, it was seeing Kiss on the Paul and Halloween special that did it for me. It was like, mm. what, 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 what the fuck is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is weird. This is this is weird stuff. These guys, you know, and and from there, I just got into them. You know, like right age, right time to get into something like that. It was rebellious. It was uh, uh, you know, crazy hard rock music. Parents didn't like it. Perfect. Yeah, a little bit scary, a little bit mysterious. Sure, sure. How how old were you at the time? Oh, fifth grade. Okay. And this is like 70, that's 77? Uh, 77, 78, something like that. Okay, okay. yep. Yeah, we've heard the, that Kiss Alive and Alive 2 are, are very important records for a number of musicians oh, that we've yeah. talked to over oh, the yeah. years, you know, opening that up, seeing them, seeing 
the drums. Um, we talked to uh, exactly all that stuff. drummers yeah. before, no, I and they've yeah. I used to drop drop pictures of like you know the inside of a live and a live too and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, Jay, I think you yeah, did that. All. And then and then also, I mean, oh, you, know, yeah. you can collect baseball cards and and you know like they're yeah. on every magazine. So there's like it was it was uh, uh, great being a Kiss fan because you could always find out you know you could always go buy something with them in it you know or buy their records or whatever. Mm-hmm. So even even in our crappy little town that had nothing. So did yep. you always maintain your appreciation for Kiss? Because I know there, you know, obviously there were some times where Kiss did some, you know, not so Kiss type things. And <laughs> in especially yeah. in the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Kiss were not the band that people were looking to um, to to guide us to the future of music. So um, was there ever a time yeah. where you kind of had to put that on the back burner and sort of like not acknowledge that you were a, a Kiss fan? Well, yeah, I mean, I did, you know, after after a certain point, probably after about 79, 80, after Dynasty, I think I think the last record I bought was actually Unmasked, and then by that time, I'd already moved on to other stuff. But when I joined the Melvinsons, 84, like, those guys were still into, I mean, they weren't into New Kiss, but they still um, appreciated those old, all those old records and listened to them a lot. I'm like, yeah, this stuff is really good. It's still good. You know, I can still... Mm-hmm. I can still listen to, uh, you know, Alive or any of the, any of the earlier stuff, you know, and I like it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure I'll always like that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Tim, I mean, uh, as kids, cer- we, 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 we were, we were, I was just going to say, certainly during the, during the eighties, we were one of the bands that were flying the flag and doing kiss covers, you know, us mm-hmm. and Red Cross. Oh yeah. You in the eighties? What's that? Even in the eighties, you guys were you were doing that. I know you did in the nineties, kind oh, of. Oh, totally. <clears throat> okay. Oh yeah, we've, very cool. We've always done Kiss covers. Yeah, eighties yeah. well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a great cover on um, Houdini of "Going Blind," which I think is interesting because um, doesn't Dinosaur Junior cover that Jay for the "Kiss My Ass" compilation? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why we worked on it is because they covered it. And they're two great versions, like in terms of. Kiss covers; those are probably two of the best version. And it's funny because right, it's right. different, little slightly different takes on the song. But there must be something about that song that makes it. I mean, it's just a well-written song to start with. Um, yeah, well, it's it's funny because we covered that song. We've been playing that for a long time before we recorded it. You know, and, and we we actually got asked to record it for that Kiss compilation. Somehow, Dinosaur ended up doing the same song. And uh, those guys ended up picking their version probably because they thought it would help the record more than our version. Hmm. That's interesting. Which is fine. Which is fine. And and uh, so, um, but what ended up happening is uh, I think maybe we said someplace in the press like, ah, oh, uh, Kiss didn't like our version, you know. And actually, Gene Simmons left a a, a, a voice message uh, on my answering machine saying that he he got the tape and he's like. Oh, it was really slow. I thought there was something wrong with my tape when your version was so <laughs> slow. And he was just, he kind of said, like, look, we've got, like, you know, 40 entries for this record. I don't know for sure that yours is going to get picked, but, you know, we really appreciate you guys doing the song. And uh, um, since they picked the dinosaur version, we're like, oh, okay, those guys don't like it. And they heard, heard about it. And Gene's like, that's not true. And actually saw that we were going to be playing in town. He's like, how about if I come down and play the song with you guys at your next live show? 
And so uh, he actually came down, sound check. We were opening for Primus here in L.A. at the Palladium, and uh, uh, we played that song with him live. Wow. It was amazing. You know, it was really cool. And then we actually opened for Kiss later. Like when they did their reunion tour that? in '96, um, very first reunion tour. Oh, we ended okay. up doing like about six six shows of those guys. So how did that go over with the Kiss crowd? Oh, they didn't care. They I didn't really boo us or anything like that. They, they were just there to see stuff. They didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> we were there too to see Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> we ended up yeah. on that tour because. Uh, uh, um, um, Stone Temple Pilots were supposed to be on that tour, right? They were going to do the whole yeah. tour with Kiss. And, and, and the Kiss guys had been uh, um, planning this tour for a while. Oh, I've got to mention before that, Kiss actually ended up playing Going Blind later on because Gene had played the song with us and realized that's a really good song. So those guys, with the uh, not the original members, but before they did the uh, reunion tour, they did uh, some shows here in L.A., with, uh, with uh, Bruce Kulick and uh, Eric Singer, where they played all old Kiss songs, and that was one of the songs they played. And, and Bruce Kulick actually told Buzz that that's why they were playing the song, because Melvin just covered it. Wow. So there you go. Ha <laughs> ha, we win anyway. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, um, so, oh, it's always amazing to me that the, those guys don't know what songs in their catalog are good and which ones aren't. <laughs> like, that song is amazing. Well, they, I, it is, but they'd, they'd never played it live. You know, they, yeah. I don't think, you know, they probably had never intended to play it live. So the first time they played it was yeah, after that, you know. Um, oh, but getting back to what I was what I was uh, uh, talking about, uh, Stone Temple Pilots were supposed to open up on that tour, and that's when Scott Whelan got busted. Oh. And so they ended up having to cancel the whole tour. And uh, at that point, they didn't really know how well a, a Kiss reunion tour was going to do. You know, like those guys had invested all this money into doing this tour. One of the reasons they had STP on it was so they'd help with the bill. And um, anyway, by the time that we got on the bill, it was already sold out. So, you know, it was great. So was, uh, we, had, we had a great time playing with those guys. Was that, had they done the Unplugged or was that like Psycho Circus? Had, had, was yeah, that done yet? after the... Uh, I don't think that was done yet. No, it was, they they didn't have a new record out. It was yeah. Okay. It was that unplugged then. Yeah, it was the it was the true reunion tour. Gotcha. Before okay. Second Circus. Right. Okay. Yeah, we we played uh, we played in uh, Memphis at that big pyramid. We played in uh, uh, in uh, uh, New Orleans at the uh, uh, Superdome. Uh, we played up in Chicago, Moline, uh, a couple other places. Anyway, yeah, that was that was uh, that, that was an amazing highlight for us for sure. Awesome, yeah. But it's if you could travel back in time and tell your fourteen-year-old self that you're gonna open for Kiss, I, I bet he'd be pretty geeked out about my my twelve-year my twelve-year-old self. Your twelve-year-old self, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I never would have guessed. Never <laughs> at all. Never, never, never. Yeah. Um. Did Did you have something? I was just going to ask if there was a, I think you mentioned a couple other bands. If um, if there was a second band you could call out as, as being really, really influential to you uh, early on and maybe the band you still like now, who, who would that be? Wait, say that again now? 
Well, we know, we all know, I think we know, you know, you guys are big Kiss fans. You're a big Kiss fan. I'm wondering if there's another band mm-hmm. um, maybe you've talked less about that was a big influence that maybe you still enjoy now as well. Hmm. I don't know. Besides the Beatles, <laughs> you know, yeah. I still listen to Beatles stuff. Problem. I mean, you know, I I would think that that would be a big one for everybody. Yeah. But I have friends that are like, oh, I don't like the Beatles. It's like, really? There's not one song in their whole catalog that you don't like. You know, never trust anybody that doesn't like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. That's I hope weird. you guys like that's the a... Beatles. Oh yeah. I never. I mean, at least one song. You know. I just feel like people are being, you know, contradictory just to be contradictory when they say they don't like the beat. It's like when you hear somebody who's like, I don't, Jimi Hendrix was a shitty guitar player. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's one. That's, I mean, that's, I've been listening to Hendrix for a long time, too. I mean, I had Hendrix records when I was a kid, you know, Access Bold as Love when I was pretty young, you know, and that was probably for my brothers going, here, you need listen to this record. Here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think I think you're right on that too. You know, people are just like, you know, maybe even I'm, I'm sure that I have friends that are that their parents were into the Beatles and and uh, you know they, they're rebelling because their parents like the Beatles or whatever. You know? uh, even my wife, I know that she's like, you know, I I only liked their early stuff for a long time. You know, like the early pop stuff, and and it took me a long time to get into like the other stuff. But you know, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Hmm. There's a little bit of a like I, th- I think like a Beatles Rolling Stones split too. Like you'll some people are like really into the oh, Rolling yeah. Stones and not much of the and, Beatles. And that, arg- that that argument to me is just dumb. You know, like the Beatles mm-hmm. versus Rolling Stones argument. That's just stupid. It's like look, without the Beatles, you wouldn't know about the Rolling Stones. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Simple as that. But but yeah. you know, even though they're two completely different bands, I, mean, I love the Stones. You know? Yeah, love that stuff. I think from a songwriting standpoint, they're not even they're not even close. I think the Beatles are way way more uh, no. um, better at, at songwriting. There's there's some Rolling Stones songs the, that the like other bands too, play them. You know, they, they had the means to go in the studio and, and sit there for a long time, especially early on. You know, Stones mm-hmm. eventually did, but but I mean, you know, they also had uh, uh, George Martin as their taskmaster, getting to do stuff. You know, otherwise they probably wouldn't get anything done. Yeah, you know, the yeah, Stones I mean, didn't that, have that. that. That argument is just right, right. But still, I mean, I I really love both those bands, and, and you know, can still listen to Stones, can still listen to Beatles, anytime. Yep. So not get sick of it, you know. Well, I want to take a, a a bit of a left turn here and talk about the last record that you guys put out, which was um, sure. Hold It In. Well, I guess it's not the last record. It's Hold last. It in. Is that that's there was one that just came out? Yeah, well, I mean, more more or less. I mean, we had an EP that just came out uh, for this last tour that we did with the late Butcherette. Right. So, uh, but that yeah, that was like a, just one new song. But uh, yeah, the last record, hold it in. So um, we did that record. Go ahead. That's a collaboration with um, Paul Leary, um, and right. uh, and Jeff, Jeff and Jeff, Pinkett. yeah, from from Bahal Surfers. So first of all. How did you guys end up hooking up with them? I assume there was a, some sort of a relationship prior to the record. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've known uh, we've known those guys for a long time, and and Pink is for sure. I've I've been friends with him for years, you know, twenty years easily. Um, 
you know, he was uh, in town one day and uh, was just on tour with a band that he was teching for and was staying over at the singer's house who he found out while he was staying there like to stay up all night on speed. <laughs> so he's like, hey, get me out of here. <laughs> and uh, Buzz went and picked him up and, and uh, you know, we'd, we'd actually talked about uh, jamming with him uh, before, just, you know, for the heck of it, you know. But, um, we kind of had this idea where we wanted to do EPs with different bass players and, and, and even, um, you know, we've done a lot of different things where we've done like collaborations with people like mm-hmm. Seven Inches. We did, we did like all Seven Inch series with, with, with collaborations of covers with people. Um, so he was kind of part of that whole thing that we were doing. And um, we ended up jamming and writing like three or four songs with him. And then after that, our, our normal bass player, Jared, uh, his, uh, he found out he was going to have a baby. So he couldn't do the tour that we had booked. And since we jammed with Jeff, we're like, man, you know, he's, he's really good. And he totally understands like our, our weird song structure. <laughs> and, and it'd be really easy to have him come in and fill in. So from doing this tour with him, uh, you know, just got to talk and it's like, Hey, how do you like to do a record? And, and then somehow, uh, uh, Paul's name came up as well. You know, and uh, we've been big Paul Surfers fans for a long time, and and uh, you know, always thought that Paul was an amazing, underrated guitar player. That just like one, well, you know, that guy's great. That guy's that guy's a fucking amazing guitar player. And so, the opportunity presented itself to be able to do a record with these guys, and worked out great. You know, we went out to Austin and hung out for uh, a couple weeks, and just got together and. Uh, uh, writing was, was fairly easy. I think we jammed once together and we're just like, you know, let's just go in the studio. <laughs> so next day we went in the studio and just started laying stuff down. You know, Paul had songs, Jeff had songs, we had songs, and it was really easy to just uh, uh, collaborate and play on everybody's stuff. And I think that record came out really great. You know, I really like it a lot. Well, the thing and that so, I like you know, about it. First time too, I was going to say for one of the first times too was that uh, you know we had um, you know Buzz writes the majority of our of our material, so um, you know it was nice to have uh, uh, other guys that are songwriters come in and do stuff. And I was going to ask about you know you mentioned about working with lots of different uh, musicians. Um, do you see similarities from from person to person in? how writing gets done when you guys are jamming or do you find that different people have different like methodologies for that? Yeah, sure. I mean, mostly, mostly we just make people adapt to how we work, <laughs> you know, I mean, not that we're not into however they work, but you know, I mean, we're, we're pretty easy going about everything, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly we like, well, here's a good example of, uh, of, of somebody that, that works differently than we do. Jello Biafra. Mm-hmm. You know, we did uh, a couple of records with him and, and spent a long time writing songs and, and uh, making records. And, and certainly he, he works way differently than we do. Um, I don't know how to, des- to describe it other than he's, uh, he's one of the more eccentric people that I've ever met. Um, but God bless him. You know, he's a great guy. But, uh, 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 you yeah, know, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own own, own ways of, of doing things. But usually, when somebody comes into our environment, you know, they'll uh, they'll work how we work. But you know, we work uh, like I said, we're, we we uh, uh, have a very uh, comfortable environment that we work in, and uh, there's really no stress. 
Okay. So there was never any thought of, of was there any ever any thought of uh, giving the 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 album another name or not having it be a Melvin's record or was it a Melvin's record from the beginning? Yeah, no, it was a Melvin's record from the beginning. You know, um, we, you know, yeah. There was a yeah. We never we never uh, we never thought like oh this is going to be you know. Melvin's slash butthole surfers. It's like, you know, Melvin's record, but obviously featuring those guys. Hmm, cool. They were the, fan of that. Well, the one thing that I, I've, you know, this, I mean, you guys have had, I think, 30 or so records, studio albums, and, you know, what are their uh, compilations, like you said, of the um, singles that you put out for the, the covers or what have you. Um, the thing that I always find interesting is, you know, there, there's a portion of the record that is, it sounds like the Melvins. It's, it's that, you know, that, that drop D you're talking about the big heavy riffs and, and something that's, you know, if you've listened to enough albums, you sort of get the idea of what the band is, but then there's always a portion of the record that is off on a tangent in different wild directions. Um, for hold it in, it would be like, I think even the second song when you get to, you can't, you can make me wait is like, Oh yeah, it's it's totally different than anything you're expecting, <laughs> like on a Melvin's record. But yet, it somehow weirdly fits in to that. Yeah, totally. Sound. Totally. How do you guys well, decide that? How do you guys decide on terms of well, this this can fit on a Melvin's record as opposed to something that's maybe too out there, or has there ever been anything that's been too out there? No, there's never been anything that's too out there. We're, okay. we're willing to take on any challenge, you know. Where <laughs> <laughs> some bands would be afraid to do stuff like that, we haven't been. You know? And certainly, you know, like you said, we've made a ton of records. It's like, well, what the hell do we got to worry about? <laughs> you know, we do with that hell we want to. Um, you know, but that song in particular, that's one of Paul's songs. And, you know, some of the whole surface stuff we come to realize is like they're pop songs begin with but then they get totally weirded out by other people in the band you know mm -hmm. um certainly that's that's one of those songs you know so those guys are writing pop songs but you know then you get gibby haynes doing his, his weird uh detuned vocals or, or weird effects on top of it you know it's like that makes it weird you know so but i don't know i mean yeah we're not afraid to do anything weird you know we like weird music and, and we feel that we don't need to make straight ahead uh uh Top forty records. Plenty of people that do that now. Right. Plenty of people that have always done that. <laughs> well, I thought so, it was yeah. I don't know. We've, we've never been afraid to take musical chances. There actually are. I mean, that record is. There are some moments on it which are. I don't want to say they're pop moments, but I don't know if it's the influence of of Jeff and Paul. Um, or if it's you guys, but there are like a few songs that are, have a much more, I guess, defined chorus, um, or, or a cleaner sound, um, that you wouldn't necessarily hear on some other records. Um, unless it was, for example, like the covers record where there's like, you know, the kink song is, is a very like distinctive chorus to that song or what have you. Um, sure. Sure. Is there ever thoughts of like, hey, just just to fuck with people, we should make a completely pop record and just see what <laughs> what happens with that? Or are you guys pretty much? No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, it's, it's just like, you know, when we make records, they're like, well, what what does this record need? What kind of song does it need? You know, we've already got like a heavy metal sounding song. Um, it's mid tempo and a slow song. Now what do we need? You know, 
Um, a good example, I think, would be uh, um, on the Hold It In record. There's a song, and one of my favorites is uh, called Brass Cupcake. And to me, that's like a Melvin song. That's, that's our version of a pop song. Right. Uh, even though it's not like your standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus thing, you know, it's a pop song, <laughs> you know? And, and we've always liked pop songs that are weird, you know, like, um, like, uh, uh, like Blondie does some songs that are really weird and aren't your, you know, they, they're, they're definitely pop songs, but they still have, uh, something weird about him. Or like Bowie. Bowie's another good example. You know? mm-hmm. His pop songs are totally weird, you know? They're not standard at all. Um, or the first uh, Pretenders record, you know? That stuff's really pop, but then if, if you if you really listen to it, it's weird. And even the Beatles have stuff that's like that, too. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, that has this weird part that's in, like, seven, you know? And you don't notice. You don't notice that stuff at all because, it's, you know, it's the way that the song is structured, it just kind of flows by. Yeah. Well, I, th- and I think Grass Cupcake is like one of those songs. You know? When it comes to the Beatles, I think anybody who's ever tried to play like Here Comes the Sun and they think, oh, this is a simple little acoustic song. And then you realize, oh, no, these are really complicated parts that they've layered on top of each other. Oh, totally. And totally. Uh, yeah, you're like you're talking about this. They change the time signature from part to part. And it becomes you realize, wow, this is way more complex than I ever, ever thought. Um, yeah, but you don't really notice until you sit down down and analyze the whole thing you don't really notice that at all you know mm-hmm. it sounds so simple you know but it's really not <laughs> yeah. I, I heard somebody on one of the i can't remember one of the tv you know music shows uh, american idol or whatnot play that song and they got it sounded terrible when they got ripped for it um, and it hadn't i didn't know why like when you heard him perform it you just thought wow that sounded really generic and didn't work at all. Why, why, why was it so bad? And it's probably because they completely simplified uh-huh. it to the point of like losing all of the nuance and what kind of made it weird. Um, yeah, like, exactly. You know, just kind of bulldozing exactly. through it with simple chords. Yeah. So speaking of layering and, and weird, one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, the addition of Cody Willis to the band and oh, you yeah. guys having two drummers. So, can you just walk us back to like how that came about and then how did that affect your, you as the drummer in the band? Sure. Well, um, we, uh, uh, had to fire a bass player again <laughs> and, um, we were looking for somebody new and, and actually, uh, uh, uh my wife was, uh, uh, good friends with, uh, Jared Warren for a long time. He was in the band Carp from Olympia, and kind of she knew him from like uh, uh, this club here called Jabberjaw, um, and where where his band used to play. And we, uh, I was friends with him too by that by this point. But uh, um, and we'd played with uh, Big Business a few times. And uh, anyway, my wife was like, "Well, how about you guys uh, ask Jared to be in the band?" I'm like, oh, "That's a great, really great idea." And when I mentioned it to Buzz, she's like, "Oh, we should just get both of those guys." And we had been planning. We had ideas of having two drummers in the band for quite a while, and uh, you know, it just never really happened, or we never found the right people, or whatever. So, this kind of fell into our lap. <laughs> you know, those guys uh, at the same time were thinking of moving to LA, so it, it, it uh, all worked out really great. You know, and um, we didn't really have any kind of a tryout with those guys. You know, we just had them come down and, and jam with them. 
check it out to see, see what it sounded like. And, you know, right away we knew it would work. And I mean, I'd already been playing with other drummers too. Like we did a, um, we did a, uh, a, a thing with, with Phantomos or we did a, a Phantomos Melvin's big band. So that was with me and Lombardo. And so I, you know, I've already played with another drummer. I knew they were. So, you know, it was, uh, really not, not much of a problem to, to uh, uh, work stuff out between me and Cody, you know. Um, we did a lot of uh, practicing on our own and just you know, going over parts and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, really, it's, 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 uh, uh, it wasn't that difficult to to, uh, uh, to be in that situation. So how does that logistically work out? Like, are you guys playing the exact same parts, or what's the breakdown? No, no, not at all, not at all. I mean... There's, there's certain parts that we'll play together, but I mean, you know, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of times there's two parts. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Even now we're, we're rehearsing with those guys because we're about to go on tour with them and we're teaching them some of the new songs up a hold it in because um, they didn't play on that record. So um, those guys are adding their own thing to, uh, to to those songs as well. So I'm sure a lot of this will be uh, different from the record. Um, but yeah, we're two drum parts. Great. I guess I, I, the thing that like, um, not confuses me, but I'm, I'm not a drummer. Jay is, so maybe he can speak to this, but when you're dealing with like snare and kick hits, um, are you guys do doubling each other or are you actually playing opposite of each other to, to play, I guess more, you know, what w- would be sounding like a double kick? Um, or is it just depending yeah. on the song, I mean, or like? It, it depends. It depends on, on you know from song to song. It really depends. Um, okay. Like something something like the Water Glass, which is uh, uh, a song off of uh, Bride Scream Murder, which is a um, uh, song that has the uh, kind of military chant to the whole thing. I mean, that is all in sync. You know, we're playing together and playing the same part. You know, but I mean, the, you know. It just depends. I mean, even during the song, we'll be playing the same part, and then he'll switch off and do something else, and I'll be doing something else. So, um, really depends. And, and yeah, I mean, for the most part, everything has worked out. But at the same time, there's a, there's a, a, a room for improvisation on a lot of the stuff. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's not too much different from playing to another guitar player. You know, I mean, you have two guitar players in the band. Normally, somebody's playing like a different part from you know, you're playing off of each other too. Right. So. I mean, but we, we work the same way, really. You know, it sounds weird, and it, it's a weird concept to people, but, I mean, it's not much different than that at all. Do you, uh, do you guys spend time, like, kind of tuning your drums to fit together or complement each other? Like, how do you work all um, that? No, I mean, I think we tune them to how we think they sound good, you know? Um, okay. But no, it's never like, oh, that tom sounds flat to my tom, you know? <laughs> right. Not at all. You know. And then especially like percussion stuff kind of between us. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. What was that? Well, I was gonna say, especially with snare drums, if you have two snare drums cracking at the same time, I'm wondering if if that becomes a little bit yeah. more obvious if they're not yeah. of the same. No, I mean usually they're panned left and right too. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, our drums are different, different enough from each other that they're gonna sound different. I mean, um, yep. He's got different sizes than I do too, so you know, yeah, none, none of them really sound quite the same, you know. And like he might use a metal snare, and I'll use a wood snare, or or whatever, you know. They don't, they're, they're different from each other. I mean, that's what it should be. He he played drums in Altamont with you, right? 
You did. How did you know that? Um, did you see it? The internet. <laughs> uh, I was listening to that the the last record you guys did, and it sounded a lot like you uh, playing drums. Is that you uh, or him? Um, uh, oh, that's a bunch of different drummers. No, I don't. Actually, you know what? I, Monkey's uncle. No, I don't Monkey's think he was yeah. on that record. That was um, that was I played on some of the songs. Um, uh, our. our Original drummer Joey played on some of it, and then this um, this other guy that played it for a while, uh, named Stosh, played on some okay. of that too. Okay. It definitely, I, I could tell uh, uh, the it was either you or somebody played that plays like you. So um, I was wondering if if you if just uh, if you and Cody have Probably. similar styles, it makes it easier to play together. I think so. Actually, he did yeah. play on like a new Altamont thing that we have out as a single. But yeah, I mean, oh, cool. yeah, he's got his own staff, sure. Mm-hmm. So you're still doing Altamont? Yeah, occasionally. We've got a gig coming up in uh, in uh, uh, November. We haven't played for a while, so. Um, but we had all these uh, reissues that just came out on vinyl in the last uh, year or so. So kind of a uh, records release party. <laughs> mm. What? You guys hear the dogs howling? <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was coyotes. dogs or coyotes down in Austin. <laughs> yeah. they, they might be dogs and coyotes here. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, I was telling you guys it's been really hot around here. Well, uh-huh. a friend of mine just goes up north for me in the in the hills here, and she looked at her house and saw that there was a bear in the swimming pool. Whoa! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. Just like okay. chilling. Uh, yeah, yeah, trying to cool off, stay cool. Yeah. She said that she heard helicopters flying over her house, and she was like, went outside, like, what the hell's going on? You know, and heard on the loudspeaker, stay in your house. And she went back in <laughs> towards the back of the house. Saw outside there was a bear out there. Yeah, God, that's nuts. Get a gun, yeah, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, that's why people have guns. Yeah. <laughs> for when bears invade their swimming pools. That's a- exactly. Well, we're from the, like I said, you know, we're from the woods. People had guns from where we're from because of things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hunt, hunting and, and keeping your, your property safe in case a bear comes up and tries to maul you. Yeah. So when did you make the move to L.A.? Um, I moved to L.A. in 99, but I moved from Washington to San Francisco in 1988. Okay, so okay, I remember reading about that. That's right. That that you guys and Buzz did. Buzz move down to San Francisco at the same time. Yeah, he moved down maybe like uh, six months before I did. Okay, so to like check it out and like, or was it? Yeah, more... he, no, he was already he was already going for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and I followed. And then what prompted the move from San Francisco to Los Angeles? Um, well, actually, Buzz had moved down here uh, quite a few years before, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, uh, opportunity arose, and I moved down here. That's interesting because I don't think people associate, 
you know, I think when people think Melvins, they think, okay, that's a Seattle band, quote unquote. But in reality, yeah. you're we a live, California we, band. We live in California band. Yeah, we've lived down here for a long time. And I don't think if anybody's yeah, I don't I don't think anybody would, you know, we think of like a, an L.A. band, uh, you know, stereotype stereotype is like, well, there'd be like the Eagles or some sort of manufactured hard rock band from the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. Poison, Melvin's, both from L.A. <laughs> hey, failures from L.A. too. That's true. Failures. We're probably just as much L.A. as who, who is. Uh, failure. the ba- failure. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Oh, uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we had um, we had Kelly Scott, their drummer, on, and he had. We mentioned that we were going to be talking to you, and he was very excited. He said that he had seen you play oh, like cool. 15 years ago, so that would probably be uh-huh. around 2000. And uh, he just talked about how much he appreciated your drumming, and he actually had a question. What was the question, Jay? Uh, I think about the drumsticks you play with or are you play sometimes with like i think he said they were i don't know huge or mallets or something yeah yeah they're made by, the they're made by louisville slugger louisville slugger <laughs> <laughs> what, i think what's it, the story with that <laughs> um yeah i see these really big drumsticks and uh i've since gone smaller i swim down yeah so, i don't know yeah um, I had very big drums, and, and uh, our music was somewhat slow, and, uh, you know, the, the sticks fit the music, I guess. <laughs> right. You know? were they, I used to go through a lot of cymbals they, and a lot of drum heads. Were they, they custom were made? or? No, 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 no. They are made by a company called Regal Pit. And uh, okay. they, were, they, were, uh, they were actually probably like a small version of a, a marching stick. And yeah, I, I used to kill cymbals and kill heads and go through a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff. But since then, I've uh, I've slimmed down <laughs> <laughs> for no reason other than I'm getting older. I can't swing as hard as I used to, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we talked about with him is he said, um, as he's developed over the years as a drummer, he he's learned that playing softer is sometimes actually more beneficial um in terms of being able to control the sound of what he's trying to do um that he used to be a really hard hitter and he used to be you know um try to just basically destroy his drums when he was playing but as he's learned you know sometimes he has to reel that in and actually play softer and he's able to get more out of what he was playing i think jay you mentioned in one of the songs that it sounded like there were like ghost notes or something because of the way that he was playing i don't know if you want to go into that or well, technical. Just, just in terms of, I think he was saying for recording, he's he plays very different than he does live. So I guess the question. Oh yeah, sure, sure. For you, sure. I mean, you case. play to the room, especially when you're recording. You play to the room too. But yeah, I mean, you know, my my drumming definitely developed over the years to where now it's like, you know, not not as not as uh, I don't do as much flailing around as I used to. <laughs> you know, it's much mm-hmm. more controlled. But also, you know, like like I I uh, I injured myself by by you know flailing around and and uh, uh pinching a nerve in one of my shoulders and mm. you know, that took me forever to get over and um i think from that i kind of learned how to you know play the way that you're supposed to which is more with your wrist you know not your shoulders you know right. you need your arms a little bit it's all you know and that's always how it was anyway but but uh you know yeah i used to uh 
try to hit as hard as possible. You know, one of those young kids who try to destroy the heck out of the drums. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, have you taken lessons through the years, or you know, had little sessions where you sit down uh, with other drummers and stuff? No, but I mean, you know, because of, of uh, YouTube and stuff like that, I can go on and watch drummers and, and learn things that way. You know, and that's mm-hmm. great. You know, I would have loved for something mm-hmm. like that when I was a kid. Be able to go and watch drummers and there's this plenty of stuff out there that you can just like learn from on the internet. But yeah, I mean, I research stuff all the time. You know, <laughs> you know I watch drummers and watch what they do and all that kind of stuff. How much do you have to you know, play? Also, 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 I was going to say, you know. The older I get too, the less the less we want to carry around a bunch of like, uh, uh, giant amps. You know, I mean, at one point the Melvins had like two full stacks and four SVT cabinets and a gong and huge giant drum set and and you know now it's like, eh, I'd rather just carry on a little bit of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, a lot of bands hide behind volume. You know, right? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> If you're good, you can get away with like combo amps and a tiny drum set. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a I have a a, a little drum set in my uh, uh, my uh, living room here that I play. It's like a little uh, uh, it's called a cocktail jam kit that uh, Tama drums make. And uh, do you guys know what a cocktail kit is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's like a small yeah, kind for, of a small for, kit. For, right. Well, for people that don't know, it, um, mm-hmm. it was a, a, a little drum kit that you would play in like a cocktail lounge, you know, <laughs> hence the name. But uh, the cocktail kit was like a, uh, something that you played standing up, and it had a really long tom that kind of doubled as a bass drum and a uh, floor tom, and then had a little snare and a cymbal and stuff like that. Well, Tom has made this little kit and uh, um, and kind of updated the whole thing to where you can play it either standing up or sitting down. And uh, man, it's so fun to play. <laughs> and uh, I haven't really had a a drum set in my house like this for a long time, but small enough and and uh, quiet enough that you know just set it up and the kids like playing it and all that stuff too, and uh, I can get the practice in. That's awesome great. little drum kit to play. We actually did How a much you... store where uh, uh, where I, I played the, the drum kit and, and Buzz played an acoustic guitar. Oh, very cool. How, how yeah, much do you have to play? Fun stuff. How, how much do you how have much to do practice I, and play? Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on what we have coming up. I mean, usually we practice for tours or whatever that we got coming up. So yeah, you have to kind of get back into shape. I know, you know. Uh, oh, some, sometimes, but I mean, oh. yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter how much practice you have. It's like the first week of tour is always the hardest, and you kind of get used to it, just getting out there and going. You know. Mm-hmm. After about the first week, you're fine, and, and you kind of get into a groove, and you just go. When when you're playing older songs, um, that may have been written 20 years ago, are you able to recall those from memory, or do you have to go back and sort of relearn those songs? And have you ever had a situation where you've had to relearn something and thought, "Why did I do this this way?" Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff I can remember. I'm, I'm pretty good on, on remembering a lot of our older songs. But, you know, yeah, we, we did a tour a few years ago where we played uh, five different records. We did Stoner Witch, Houdini, Eggnog, Lysol, and Bullhead. So some of those songs we hadn't played in years. So I kind of went back and listened to them. But, but also, it, it helps to an extent. But 
you know, a lot of those songs we were playing differently live anyway. So I just kind of remember to remember them to uh, my best ability, you know, even if they're not right. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you had brought up recording, and I wanted to ask you about. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correct correctly, but his name is uh, Toshi Kasai. I think is that how you say it? That that is correct. Okay, so you've worked with him on a, on a number of records, and one of the things I like about um, uh, in the wiki, Melvin's wiki, it says that he's credited with being a noisician instead of a musician. Oh really? Um, yeah. Um, so how did you That's end up working? Okay. How did you end up working with him, and why do you um, like? What does he bring to the recording process that you guys repeatedly work with him? Um, well, we met Toshi probably about nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Okay. Um, and he had worked with the guys in schools. I think we'd actually met him over at uh, the guitar player's house. And um, when we were doing, uh, we we're getting ready to do uh, uh, this record called Hostile Ambient Takeover. It was not too long after we moved down to L.A., and we were looking for somebody to uh, engineer. And uh, he worked at the studio over in the uh, San Fernando Valley called Hook, which is this uh, funky little studio. Been there for a long time. Um, it was relatively cheap. And, uh, you know, it started working with him, and he's a really great engineer. <laughs> and uh, from there, we uh, ended up doing a bunch more records with him, and have uh, pretty much stuck with him ever since. You know, uh, now uh, uh, we have a uh, sort of have our own studio with him. It's our rehearsal space that also doubles as a recording studio, and we're set up to record pretty much any time we want to. And yeah, I mean, uh, we started working with him in uh, uh, at doing analog stuff, and then transferred over to digital. And as as the uh, as the times changed, mm-hmm. and uh, he's really great at both. You know. So when you say yeah, you have I mean, a, I, I, go ahead. I was just gonna say like 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 even besides the Melvins, like he and I produce records and record stuff all the time. Like we've done a shitload of records together. Hmm. Okay. Um. So when you say you have a practice space, does that mean I'm just trying to get the visual? Like sometimes when you know people talk about practice space, they're talking about like a a sh- like a large building that has like multiple shared space with you know rooms where there's one yeah, band's in here one band's here or is it like your actual like own building uh sort of it's like a it's like a a, a warehouse space that's been turned into a studio slash rehearsal space no other okay. bands um just us other bands come in there to record um but uh you know uh yeah it's it, it's not quite uh electric ladyland studio you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's more than just like your, your mom's, uh, 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 garage. So did you guys have to outfit it with all of the equipment or is that Toshi's end of it? Uh, Toshi, Toshi had a lot of the stuff, um, and is getting more stuff. Certainly we've contributed with like, uh, gear, you know, mics, uh, amps, drums, stuff like that. Um, and the space was like a pretty much a blank space when we moved in there. And we built like a control room, a live room, an ISO booth, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, like I said, it's not, it's not, you know, not A&M studios or anything like that, but it's, uh, 
great place, you know. It's the ultimate man cave. <laughs> there's no windows. There's no windows. No. Yeah, Excellent. None at all. There you go. We get a lot of work done there. You know. Great place. What do you look? Hang out and. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, what do you look for in a studio when you guys decide where you're going to record? I mean, now that you've built one, I guess that's where you go, but um, kind of through the years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, someplace that's affordable. Yeah. I guess that has something, something that works, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We've never we've never really cared about, like, what kind of gear they have or anything like that. Someplace that works, that's affordable, that we can do stuff up, that'll work out, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have any giant requirements or anything like that, you know. So we've recorded, yeah. we've been able to record in like amazing studios and then also the most worst piece of shit studios ever, you know. <laughs> Whatever we and can it make seems work. like, <laughs> right. Well, it seems like you've um, either co produced or just had an engineer on a lot of your records. Is that, would you say that's the case? Say that again. It seems like on a lot of rec your records, the band is you know, credit as at least a co-producer, if not producer, and then maybe you're getting more. Yeah, I mean, mostly engineer. Mostly, we've just yeah, that's that's true. I mean, mostly we just work with engineers. You know, whatever studio that we yep. go to, and and usually you just trust the engineer. You know, if he knows the studio, let him do his job. You know, um, yeah, that's always been the case. I mean, we, we've uh, a few of the Atlantic, the Atlantic records we were able to work with a producer. You know, but even then, they were like producers that were really good engineers, <laughs> right? And, and we always had, we always had the, yeah, we always knew what we were doing. You know, we didn't really need to have anybody walk us through anything at all. You know, you know, I mean, a few suggestions here and there, um, as far as like recording or ideas or whatever. But, but I mean, for the most part, we're the producers. We're in charge, and you know. But at the same time, we've always let the engineer do what they think's best. Yeah. Right. Works out better that way, <laughs> rather than barking a bunch of instructions and in what to do. You know, like, what do you think sounds good? You know, okay, yeah. that sounds good. So when I think your 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 drum sound has been uh, so big, uh, such a big part of the records, um, and it changes, and sometimes even on songs, you, you know, with the either added effects or the second drum drummer. Is that sure? How does that come together? Like, is that uh, you have the idea before you start, or is it kind of like as you're recording it, you're 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 playing around with sounds uh, and changing things? Yeah, usually, usually, usually it's pretty spontaneous. You know, like, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, let's try that. Okay. You know? And sometimes those kind of effects can can uh, uh, influence the way that you play it too. You know? But right. I mean, a lot of times we'll, we'll just record straight and then figure out effects afterwards. All depends, you know, and that's not just for drums. That's for everything, you know, guitars, vocals, bass, everything. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes the effects uh, uh, will will uh, influence you, and, and sometimes you know we'll do it afterwards. All depends. You, you, in, in your process, like really sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna. Uh, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we have a terrible just, delay I here. I was just gonna say, like, like. Yeah, no worries. Um, I was just gonna say, like, you know, that's that's, you know, the studios where you know, I mean, now nowadays, as opposed to like how we used to record, where we we're on a budget 
only had four days to like complete a record that's recording and mixed. You know, now we have all the time in the world. So, you know, studio is such a more creative uh, uh, environment than it used to be for us. You know, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. That was going to be my question. Is it sounds like you're you're pretty much doing a majority of the writing in the studio. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it all depends. You know? I mean, the one thing that we've learned for sure is that, you know, now we don't have to like rehearse our songs and slog them into the ground to where they're like, before we even get into the studio, they've already been rehearsed way too much. You know, now we can sit there, rehearse it to where we think it's okay. This sounds good. Let's record it now. Mm-hmm. That's how we work now. Yep. And then it just becomes a question of, you know, translating that live, correct? In terms of taking what you captured on the yeah. record. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we've never been worried about that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, that, that that's always been the uh, the thing with bands, especially new bands going into studios. Like, um, you know, they'll they'll think of like, well, how are we going to play this live? And we've completely throwing that out the window and, and don't really care, <laughs> you know? I mean, the, the live experience compared to recording is, is like, you know, they're, they're two different things. So, you know, we never think, like, when we're recording something, like, well, how are we going to do this live? Who cares? <laughs> mm-hmm. We do it live however we do it live. You know? We'll figure out a way to do it. I-, I wanted to go back for just a sec. You had mentioned about, you know, the Atlantic um, years and the albums released on a major, um, did you guys get any, you mentioned about not really getting a whole lot of interference or not necessarily interference, but you know, having a minimal input from producers when you're on a major like that, are they giving you any sort of notes on particular songs or how the recording's going or was they, were they pretty hands off? Yeah, they were pretty much hands off. I mean, when we signed to Atlantic, they knew that we, had already made records that already existed as a band for a long time. And, and uh, uh, we're pretty much like, do what you guys do, you know? Um, you know, certainly the A&R guy was around and, and was there because he wanted to hear what it sounded like. But as far as any kind of input of like, no, I think you guys should maybe do something more pop here. It's like, none of that at all, you know? We were able to make the records that we were able to make, <laughs> you know, with, with no interference at all. Gotcha. Wow. That's that's not what we've heard from most people from that era. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, well, I think, you know, I mean, certainly there's a lot of bands that, that uh, um, signed to major labels that were like, okay, what do we have to do to make it, you know? What, you know tell us what to do. Like, okay, well, here, here's what you do, you know? Like, and for the most part, these people don't really know right. anything about music and, and what's going to happen, what's going to become popular. I have no idea. No idea at all. I don't mm-hmm. think any of the labels really know what's, what's going to happen and what's going to be popular. So, right. um, you know, <laughs> we, but we did run into a lot of that where it's like, yeah, oh yeah, there's certain bands that are like, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to make it, you know, and they'll ask the label for advice on what to do and do whatever they say. Well, I think one of the things we heard over and over again is that the bands would be signed based on either they self-released an album or they, or they had a demo or something. And then the, the label would get their hands on them and they would start, you know, recording more songs or what have you in the same vein of what they had been doing. 
And the label would say, well, we want you, we want you to try working with this producer or we'd like to hear more songs like this. And, and they'd be like, well, we, this is what you, you signed us because we sound like this. Why are you trying to change what we're doing? And it was really because they were trying to just match what was ever popular at that moment. Like, hey, this new Collective Soul song just came out and it's blowing up the charts. Why don't you guys try to write something like that? And they're, you know, we've heard repeatedly where they were like, I don't want to write another single. Like, I've already delivered you the album. Please don't make me go back and try to write a single for the radio, you know. And that was more of the frustration than anything is that they were trying to be pigeonholed into some sort of, you know, make-believe genre that was quote-unquote alternative rock. But in reality, it was just like totally hit or miss what was actually happening. Um, Sure, yeah. So... Yeah. So that's why it's, I think that's what's so unusual when we hear say, "Oh no, we didn't. Nobody talked to us about any of that." Because that's yeah, that might be the first well, time we, actually. Well, we would have told them to fuck off anyway, you know. Like fuck you, you know. I mean, I could see if there was like some new band and they're like, you know, the, the label's helping them out and we're like, okay, we should do, do something like this. But you know, like I said, we'd we'd already uh, uh, been established as a band and already had records out and already did tours. And uh, we wouldn't get into a situation like that. You know? Right. We just, just say, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you had it. Leave it you know? And you we had, had a really great deal. We had a great deal. It's like they could, they could either uh, release it or not, and then drop us, and then we could release the record ourselves. Oh. A lot of bands will find deals where they just don't know what they're doing as well and just right. find away everything. You know? We didn't do that. You know? <laughs> We signed a record deal that was great, where we had 100% control over everything, and they didn't have to release it, but they had to give us the money. <laughs> you know, so okay, it's perfect. You know, we're gonna make this record. We're gonna make it how we want to, and if you guys don't release it, that's fine. Just give us the money, and we'll go release it someplace else, or re-record it and release it ourselves. So can I assume? And, that, and that's what happened too. You know, with, with Atlantic, like we did three records, and we didn't expect to do that many records. We thought they'd drop us up to the first one, but they actually, you know, and the money went up each time too. It's like, okay, you guys didn't get this much money for this record. The next record goes up. The next record goes up from there. We had a three-record deal. We did all three records. We had the option to do the next one, and uh, by the time we were doing our next record, we're like, okay, what do you guys want to do? And they wanted us to wait. Like, well, just wait because we don't know if we want to keep you guys or not. Like, Nah, just tell us now. Okay, well, we're going to drop you guys. Okay, we had a record in the can, ready to go, that we released on Anthony Reptile Records. So, <laughs> where most bands would just go, oh man, our career's over. We got dropped from our label. Now, what are you going to do? <laughs> that didn't happen in the moment. Right. I mean, but also, that's because we came from the background to where we were already doing records ourselves on independent labels. We were already touring where we could make money and, and, and make the whole thing work and you know, make a living ourselves. So we knew that if the whole major label thing failed, we could just go back to doing what we did before. And that's exactly what it did. And it couldn't be any better. It couldn't be any better for us right now. We make as much money as we did back then, if not more. That's what I was going to ask. It sounds like I would I would assume based on your answer about, you know, how you guys were prepared for the major label thing by really establishing yourself and having a, a solid plan B uh, that you would be totally comfortable in, you know, sort of the climate now of the music business. Right. We would sign that record deal again. 
no problem. Yeah. You know, if somebody wanted to do that. But hmm. the the whole like state of the record, the, the music business right now, that doesn't does it bother you guys at all? Do you have an opinion on that? Are you pretty comfortable in it? No, I mean we're fine with all the change. You know? Yeah. Mean, <laughs> it certainly uh, uh, made the, the playing field much more level. But we're doing fine, you know. But you know we've always uh, we've, we've always uh, 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 worked really hard and and fought for all the things that we have now. And so really, it's it's not much more different. And you know, also with the Melbourne too, it's like we've always, we've always toured it a ton and still do. You know, and that's where uh, uh, you know that's, that's where bands will make their money is playing live. We uh, right. we still do okay in making making records and and actually selling CDs. <laughs> We're one of the bands that still sell CDs hmm. more than anything else, more than vinyl, more than more than MP3s. People still are interested in CDs, believe it or not. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep making records and and keep touring and doing all the things that we do. Is, things are uh, things are always uh, 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 going well for us. <laughs> Um, we just did this thing recently where we're going to be in a, a, a cartoon. There's a cartoon on Comedy Central called, uh, sorry, not Comedy Central, a Cartoon Network called Uncle Grandpa. Uh-huh. You guys should look up. Maybe your kids will like that show. Um, uh, but we're going to be guest stars on that show. So uh, we're finally getting animated, which is a big deal for the Melbourne to actually be in a cartoon. <laughs> it's just like a, awesome. just like on, on uh, uh, Scooby-Doo when they have guest stars, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of what this is like. We're, we're guest that's, stars on the show on Grandpa. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Do you know when that's coming out? Is that like currently being animated, or is that going to actually air soon? No, it, it's going to take them a while. It's going to take them like, I think they said nine months to finish the whole thing. But we, oh uh, wow, we've done we've done our uh, we've done our voiceovers for the cartoon, and we've seen kind of a, a, a rough edit of the whole thing. And it's going to be great. <laughs> It's really hilarious and really, really weird. I, yeah, I'm checking, checking it out now. The, uh, the show. It looks pretty fun. Yeah, the guys that did it were like uh, fans of our band and and uh, ended up recording at our studio and somehow got this idea that we should be on the show. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I think Kiss, Jay- and Kiss, Kiss just did Scooby Doo, so <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. They did. Oh, that now? Which one? Kiss did Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Like twenty twenty years too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I did. I did see that though. <laughs> no, but that was the thing when I was talking to the guy that created the show. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, we want to kind of have it be like a you know the old scooby-doo episodes where they have mm-hmm. like guest stars come on now like like the harlem globetrotters you know mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> jerry reed was on uh an yeah. episode. You, guys, you guys know jerry reed <laughs> oh yeah yeah so i, I remember um, that well sunny and Cher, i think were yeah. The one. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, the guy that created the show kind of has the same he's maybe a little bit younger than us but has the same same attitude as, as towards you know like cartoons and stuff like that so um uh, uh really good guy and, and that cartoon it's really great and before we we got uh, asked to do it i'd actually seen the cartoon because uh my kids watched it 
And um, we're going, like, what's this cartoon? And I'm like, oh, check it out. I'm like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> so when when it came up, I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, I love Uncle Grandpa. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say maybe it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been my first yeah. guess of a cartoon you guys would that, be on. Yeah, you think so? Or like a <laughs> Metal Aqualip. Yep. Yeah. Actually, actually, one of the guys that, that does Metal Sorry, I can't talk. Metalocalypse. One of the guys that uh, does that show is a, a friend of ours. He used to be in this band called the Warlock Pinchers. And uh, he actually did a, a couple of videos for us a, a few years ago. Um, one of them is uh, sort of animated with these, there's these toys that are like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, there's this like rock concert that happens in this in this house where this, these doors open and there's all these toys watching the rock concert and uh, the band uh, is uh, we're, we're kind of like uh, the troll doll <laughs> and we're rocking that, out to them. That's perfect. Are you are you guys yeah, yeah. are you guys still doing videos? No, not too much. Just because. Well, nobody shows them anymore, and they're expensive yeah. to make, and and to uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can put them out in in the uh, 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 cyber uh, uh, universe, but I mean, you know, not like how it used to be, where where uh, uh, like when we're on Atlantic, you know, I mean, we, we got a pretty good budget to make videos mm-hmm. to be shown on MTV, but well, as you guys know, nobody shows videos anymore, besides YouTube or whatever, you know? Yeah. Right. But at the yeah. same time, I think that's, that's made it to where there's like been a lot of, uh, more underground type of stuff, uh, 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 more, uh, uh, independent filmmaking type of stuff that, that's happened with, with videos and things like that, you know? Uh, can you talk about, I read that you started a new band with one of the guys from Red Cross. Is that true? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you talk, uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, um, I did a tour last year with the band Off. You guys know yep. that band? Oh, yeah. 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 Keith, Keith Morris. And uh, Steve is the bass player of that band. And uh, um, I've known, I've been a Red Cross fan for a long time. And, and uh, I've known Steven, but got to know him really well on that tour. He's a great guy and, and really, really got along well. And I really love his bass playing. And I'm like, man, we should start a band together, you know, that's like separate from our bands or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. And he turned me on to this guy, uh, Ty Siegel, who uh, had this record out uh, a year ago called uh, 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 Manipulator. Mm-hmm. You guys heard that stuff at all? I've heard he's in he's another, kind of, he's in a band called Fuzz, yeah, I think. Of, he is, yeah, he's the drummer for this band called Fuzz. Okay. And um, he's this kid, uh, He's from uh, he's from Long Beach. Lived in San Francisco for a while, and did a bunch of uh, indie records where he kind of recorded these records on his own with a with a uh, uh, eight track tape machine, home recording type of stuff. Uh, kind of lo-fi, but man, his stuff is really good. Um, I got into his stuff, and anyway, I was like, uh, "Oh, who should we get to play? Uh, we should get someone to play guitar for us. You know, it'd be really good." And he's like, "Well, the." Ty Siegel, man. <laughs> I'm like, you think he'd play with us? And anyway, we asked him, and and uh, so we've been jamming, yeah. And uh, 
uh, we have a band called Broken Bat. And uh, I don't know. We're, we're working on stuff, but we're not quite ready yet. But eventually we'll uh, we'll uh, have our shit together and and uh, <laughs> hopefully do some stuff. <laughs> cool. It's kind of a nice little combination of uh, of bands there. Curious to hear what it sounds like. Yeah. 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 Sure. Uh, psychedelic, uh, 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 punk, glam, uh, goth. Awesome. Maybe. Wow. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Something weird, you know, uh, with a little Captain D part thrown in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> and upside down cross. <laughs> Jay, you got any more questions? No, that was the last one I had. Okay. That was it. That was it. Jay ran out. <laughs> I'm, I ran out. Uh, we we just hit like about the hour 20 marks. So that's a good, uh, that's the sweet spot. Oh, I, shit. I, yeah. Yeah. It's flying by. Once I, once I add yeah. some music to this episode, it'll be at about an hour and a half. So that's, uh, that's prime podcasting. You know, that's, that's somebody's commute to work and back. So that's a that's yeah, a good right. uh, that's a good length right so there. Wait, how, how, okay, so how did you guys get into this podcasting? Um, well, Jay and I used to be in a band together, and okay, what, we used to. Band? Oh, it's my well, interview now. Oh, okay, so, oh, here we go. We were in a local Columbus, Ohio band called the Stepford Five, and we were together for about ten years. And you know, like people do in bands, we would sit around and practice and like talk about music before we'd actually do any practicing. And we'd talk about sure. albums that come out and stuff like that. So when the band was done, we would just hang out at Jay's house and just continue to talk about music. And I was like, this could be a podcast. Like we could actually sit here and like record <laughs> our reviews of records, like have a beer and, and talk about records. Um, so it was supposed to be like five to 10 minutes per episode where we would just like, we were both radio DJs in the nineties at a college radio station. So we're like, well, we should okay. go back to those records that we used to listen to or the ones that we missed. And we should try to like find the hidden gems from that era that nobody's listening to anymore or stuff that we thought that we liked and we can't remember if we actually like it anymore or not. So that's how it started out. And then people started listening here and there and we started getting emails like, hey, you should check out this record or this is a cool record that you guys missed that you should check out. And it just sort of grew from five to 10 minutes to a half hour to um, a friend of ours was like, Hey, I used to do interviews with some of these bands. Do you want me to call them up and see if they want to come on your show? And then five years later, we're like, you know, talking to everybody that we've ever wanted to talk to. Like it's, it's kind of gotten way bigger than we ever anticipated. So we do this every week. Jay used to live in Columbus. So we would, you know, be five minutes from each other, but then he relocated to Austin about a year and a half ago. So and what are you just... doing in Austin now, Jay? Um, I actually now work for a company in Columbus. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, because you can move back. Uh, no. So... <laughs> I can't move back. No. <laughs> He's banned from ever moving back. We have a... Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, that would be a tough one for me, too. I think I'd probably... No. Columbus and Austin know. aren't that far apart in terms of the the kind yeah. of makeup of the city. Austin has uh, more a couple advantages over Columbus. Um, the weather and being one. Crowded too. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause, you mean like wintertime? Yeah. 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 Okay, so uh, let me ask you some more questions here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite band from the 90s? Oh, I feel pressure on that one. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, it was uh, the Afghan wigs for me. But okay. I don't know. They... I'm sort of having, I have issues with that band now. Um, but I don't enjoy them as much as I used to. Oh, jeez. Trying to think. Nobody's ever asked you guys this before? No. We've never Not been really. questioned. Wow. No. Wow. I can't, it, that's a hard question because I go, you know, I go through sw- swings of okay, like name, name, what I want. Name five. Name five. Okay. Top five. Ready? All right. Uh, I would say, um, oh, God. Uh, hum, Jr. hum, dinosaur junior, uh, public enemy. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. That was that was a band that like totally rocked my entire consciousness as far as you know everything. I, I that's it's a weird thing to say in a where we do rock music, but public enemy was like a huge mm-hmm. influence on me. Um, oh Jesus, this is so <laughs> this is so much pressure. <laughs> Turn the tables on us, man. We're not used to this. Yeah, I did. Ah. Wil- Wilco is a huge one for me. Wilco, yeah. The reason why I picked up a guitar was like Wilco and Sunville and like that alternative country scene that was happening oh, yeah. in the 90s. Like I never picked oh, no, up a guitar you, before you can, that. You can blow it out your alt country ass. Sorry, <laughs> I had to say that. That's, a, that's an inside Melvin's joke. Sorry. I don't really mean that. <laughs> but you can, you, know, you can print that. But there, I mean, like, there's like 20, like, I, obviously I throw the Melvins in there because, like, there are like 20 different bands that, like, depending on my mood that I want to listen to at any time. And I just don't even have right. the time of the day anymore to, like, pick up. And then there's new stuff that's coming out constantly. I love shoe, like, I love shoegaze stuff, like My Bloody Valentine mm-hmm. and Swerve Drivers. Okay. Mezcal Head is a huge record that I've been listening to a lot with their them coming back. And, um, oh, man, that's I like. I actually like Red Cross a lot. They're probably yeah. Face the, probably oh yeah, Face Shifter's an awesome but they, record. But, but but they but they were eighties. Yeah. No, I know. I know they're eighties, nineties, and actually the record that they put out a few years ago. Oh man, that fucking record. Yeah. Fast blown. You know. Yep. That record. I've always good. loved those guys. <laughs> so I, I saw them for the first time back in eighty six when they, they had uh, the Neurotica record out, and man, they were great. And at that show, there was like, all the all the grunge stars were there. You know? All the Nirvana guys, all, you know, Soundgarden, I think you didn't play with them, but like, everybody was there. And they, they fucking killed it. So, mm-hmm. and, and even before that, like, I, I love their records, and they've been one of my favorite bands for a long time. So, that's why I'm excited to play in the band with Steven. Like, yeah, man, you're in one of my favorite bands, for sure. Yeah, they're great. I yeah, you know, I can't even fathom that. Like someone that you're, you know, us being in bands, like we just played with our friends and stuff like that. I can't fathom a band that was at that level and then just ended up playing with them down the road. Like that would be like, uh, ner- it would almost make me nervous to be like, <laughs> this is someone who, yeah. this is someone who was influencing me, and now I'm playing, sitting in a room with them playing music. I'd be like so self conscious about it. But I guess yeah. you kind of have to get over that. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, we're 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 uh, I'm, I'm comfortable now. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Here's my other question. Since you guys are both from Columbus, Ohio, 
Do you guys know the band Nerd Table? Nerd Table? No. Are they a new band? Columbus. Uh, somewhat. Hmm. Nerd Table. Nope. Nerd Table. Okay. Well, now you have to look. <laughs> now I'm going to have to look it up. I'm looking it up right now. I I should I should qualify our statements. We're not neither of neither of us are from Columbus. I grew up in Buffalo, sure. New York, and then Jay okay, drew, grew up in Park. Cleveland, and then we both moved here after college. And okay. uh, we've lived I've lived here ever since. And then Jay abandoned us, like I said, a couple years ago. <laughs> um, Jeez, <laughs> Jay, what you, what uh, what what's the story on your table? Why should we know about him? Oh, a band from Columbus, and uh, <laughs> we met the singer one time, and he handed us a tape, and uh, it was a tape uh, of a song that he did called "I Got a Tape of Me Fucking Your Mom." <laughs> so look that, look that one up. I don't think I'm going to be googling that. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, I'm going to I'm going to Google you, nerd you table. Not at work, are you? No, no, no. no. Afraid we'll be on the well, after, after that tape, I, I produced one of their records. So. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, cool. Just, be, just because they're from Columbus, I was like, oh, I got to drop it. <laughs> but no, we're for like, like Gaunt or New Bomb New, Turks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, who? Hit us, <laughs> yeah, you hit, us, hit us with their table. <laughs> and what a great band name. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, All right, you I'm can, on. You can play that. You can play that in between spots here. <laughs> I'm on their well, website. Th- there's two Facebook pages. There's Nerd Table and the Nerd Table. Hmm, I don't know. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't Maybe know which both? one to look for. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's two different Nerd Tables. There's oh, there must be some sort of battle for the Nerd Table ownership name. Maybe. For there battle, to be a the battle, nerd table. Battle for the nerd table. Yeah. Oh, I, I, actually, that's something I noticed uh, that you guys do. Is it sometimes that you say Melvins and sometimes you say the Melvins? Yeah. Um, I don't know why. We have no that reason. issue with our band too. <laughs> yeah, Melvins, the Melvins. The the, right. the isn't very relevant to me. Yeah. It can screw you up though if you go on like iTunes or one of those services and you try to find a band and if you don't. Sure, but yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's more of a vocabulary thing. It's like, well, what band are you in? Do you say Melvin's or, well, right. I'm in the Melvin. Or do right. you say, I'm in Melvin? I think you'd say, I'm in the Melvin. But like, what's the name of your band? Well, Melvin. Right. Oh, Maybe. there is a, <laughs> there's a I'm picture in- of Nerd Table having their, holding, having Chad Channing hold their EP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're huh. big Nirvana fans. Huh. And it says the picture was taken with Paul Leary. Oh, could be. Who knows? But uh, uh, yeah, the song you want to Google is uh, uh, "I Got a Tape of Me Fucking Your Mom." Uh, I have the uh, the YouTube clip for "Beach uh, Bitch Eat Baloney All Day" with Chad Chad Channing and Paul Leary. Mm. Check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I get the feeling that there is some there is some interesting stuff going on with this band. I'm not quite sure what. Uh, this is going to have to wait till after the your show. Local, your oh. local boys, local boys. They sound like uh, you. 
Is this on you? Me? That sounds like the Melvins. Me. Nah. At least this song does. Is it the bitch song or the mom song? The bl- bitchy. <laughs> this is bitchy baloney all day. Okay. I don't. The drums don't sound like you, but the guitar uh, sound and the the vocal stylings. Stylings. Hmm. Yeah. What? How did you end up producing them? Did they just call you and say we uh, want you to produce or? Yeah. That was it? it? Pretty much, yeah. What kind of producer are you? Uh, fucking amazing one. (laughs) Are you up in Bob Rock territory? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, I I know my way around the studio. I can can help. I can play drums if you want to, you know? Yeah. You don't make them... You don't make them record the the guitar chords one string at a time. Yeah, like like who? Like like uh, 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 Phil Spector. Yeah. Uh, wasn't Rick Ocasek? Didn't he do that? Rick Ocasek, apparently, supposedly did that too. Oof. Uh, with uh, with with uh, um, with with uh, uh, the Queen producer, Roy Thomas Baker. I don't know. No, well, I, I think, think that he. Like the, the early car stuff was uh, Roy Thomas Baker. No, I think when Ocasek worked with like Weezer, he had them do oh, that. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I wonder if we had him do that with the uh, the Bad Brains. <laughs> I doubt I, it. You know, he, I he don't produced, think that they would. That, he produced that early Bad Brains uh, 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 cassette. Really? Yeah. Oh, you I guys know that. know that? No. I don't have. I don't. That's I have to combination. Yeah, I have to go back and look at that. Yeah, he uh, he's actually got a Columbus uh, connection. For some reason, his oh, his son lives yeah, in Columbus. Right. Yeah, what is he? He should be from there. Oh yeah, yeah. He was yeah. He's he was originally from the area, and then his son, for some reason, moved back uh, when he was in his twenties. I don't know if he still lives there or not, but yeah, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, one more Columbus uh, question. Okay. You guys, or were you guys, or do anybody that you know from there, uh, were you guys at the show where Dimebag Daryl's band played where he got shot? I lived less than probably half a mile from that that place. During that time? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The El Rosa Villa. Yep. Yeah. That was yeah, we knew people that were that were at the show. There. Yeah. What did they say? What did they say about it? I don't know if I've ever spoken to them about it. Like, because we knew a lot really? of people in the metal scene. Because um, that was right when we our band was going on. So I mean, we knew a lot of people from, you know, that were just from the scene that were at shows. And uh, sure. I don't know. Do was Chip at that show, Jay? Um, I don't know. He may have been. So you guys was, lived around there at the time that that happened. So I mean, oh, oh yeah, we both the, lived uh, with really close. Yeah. What was the uh, atmosphere after that happened? And I was like, oh, holy shit! Like, well, fuck. yeah. I mean, they shut the place down. I think for a month. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was around. Was it around the time of that um, that fire or two that happened um, in another club at the Connecticut, the Great White yeah. Fire? 
I think so. And that that place is similar to the, in that it's um I don't know how would you describe it, Tim? It's um it's a big box that you go in there yeah. and you think you're gonna die in there because it's doesn't seem like it's properly ins like um insulated or not insulated but like ventilated. Right. So it's like really stuffy and you're it's just a concrete floor and you're just like so, in there so pretty much so pretty much every rock club I've ever gone <laughs> right yeah, and it's it's in a weird that. area it's not uh, near yeah, it's like, where the rest of the clubs are so it's in the burbs and it's on a strip where there's like you know like your random check cashing place and your uh you know used Tattoo. car dealership let, let and let me guess let me guess tattoo shop <laughs> check cashing place yeah like a rundown bar. hotel Whoa. Like that area is known for having like a very like heavy drug trafficking area in Columbus. Like the there's it's by the street there called 161. So it's not surprising that stuff went down there because it's just a it's not necessarily a bad area of time of, of town because Jay lived nearby and that was a pretty like sort of normal suburban area. But it was just this like one street that had like kind of a bad reputation. Um, well, that's, right that's near pretty it. much every club. Every club, you know, ninety percent of the clubs. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just look, remember we're close to the club when we get to the uh, tattoo parlor, the bail bonds, and the club next door. Okay, <laughs> and it was um being really sho- obviously very shocking, but also shocking that it happened there. I don't know because the guy was right. uh, he was from Marysville, which is it's probably a good almost hour drive outside of town, and yeah, um, yeah. he. You know, specifically drove to the show to do this. Obviously, it wasn't like a spur of the moment kind of thing. Like right. he cleaned it out and everything. Right. And uh, <clears throat> but knowing the club, you know, it, it's very easy to get in. So it makes total sense the way it went down. The fact that you know, sure. there's a big parking lot around the whole thing, so you could park your car in the back. There's nobody back there. It's not like a, you know, in an urban area where it's difficult maybe to get to, to the backstage area. This is right, like you right. literally pull your car around and just walk in the back door. But was he in the was he in the backstage area or was he in the audience? Yeah, no, no, he was in the audience, he, right? No, no, no. He didn't. He, I thought he walked up. Uh, he walked through the back. Yeah, there was a there's a back load in area, yeah. and he walked through there because he came through. He came on to the, the like the left side of the stage, um, and that's where he fired from because he like basically walked up onto oh, the stage, wow. and. Wow. He shot Dimebag, and then um, I think Vinny like jumped out after at him, and he shot. Then he shot Vinny, right? And he didn't kill Vinny. Um, and then there was a cop on duty or off duty, right. like within a half mile, and um, he came in and basically put him down with one shot. But like he was he, able to do the same thing. Like he could just slip in the back. So he slipped yeah. in the back on the other side wow. of the stage and basically just, you know, the guy never knew he was there and took him out. Right. Right. So it was, it, it all, you know, in a lot of other places, I don't think it would have been possible for it to go down like that, but because the back of that place is so accessible that it just well, made sure, it I know, I, I, You know, that could happen any place, you know, yeah. I mean, really. And I, I remember there weren't lawsuits. You could do that. Yeah. There were lawsuits about the security, I believe, that, that the, or the lack thereof. Um, right. And uh, but the guy well, was he, like, he, would, he was obsessed yeah, with the uh, dime bag. Right, right, psycho. 
Yeah, he he blamed him for the breakup of Pantera because they were ta- right. it was touring for Damage Plan, and uh, right. he, you know, I mean, and I think that there was some inkling like from his family that they knew that he was, you know, off basically that the guy was not right. Right. Um. So. There always yeah. seems to be like whenever these things happen, everybody's like, "Oh well, yeah, he did just go buy a gun and was talking about <laughs> yeah, being right. mad at the members of Pantera and possibly killing one of them." But we just thought he was joking, you know. And you're like, oh. "Well, you probably wouldn't take anybody seriously in that situation, but you never know." Yeah, right. You didn't you? You could hear like the the <laughs> emergency vehicles, right, from your house. Well, I read about it on the internet first. Like it came up on some. I think this was before Twitter, so it came up on some like, you know, forum, and people were like, "Hey, something just happened at the El Rosa." So like, I didn't go drive bot down there; it would be like a gawker. But um, yeah, you could definitely hear a lot of stuff going on. And the next day, I drove by, and there were like kids in the parking lot just hanging out, and you know, they they closed the place down for a, quite a while, several weeks at least. And I think people were just like, you know, bringing flowers and doing that whole thing. Uh, for a while out there very very weird yeah i've never been back i've never been to another show there <laughs> actually yeah. I, I hadn't either i think that was um just a, maybe a couple months prior to that was probably the last time i had ever been there wow yeah i think okay. we went to that yeah that that helicopters uh zen gorilla new bomb turk show and that was not close to the time, yeah yeah all right. Any more questions, Dale? Yeah. <laughs> One more Ohio question. Okay. Have you have you guys ever seen the movie Gummo? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you been to, to Zena? Zeno? Zena? Zeno? Zena? Wherever it is? Zena. Yeah. yeah, you have Zinia? to drive through that, there. That, I do. To, to, well, <laughs> I no, I'm saying to, like to get to, to get to certain parts of Ohio, you have to like sort of drive past Zena. Yeah, if you guys um, drive, that, um, you drive representative of, uh, of of what Xenia uh, would be like. Probably, yeah. Southern Ohio that's like, is very that's backwards. Killing cats and the, yeah, that's kind of like yeah. where we came from. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like where we came from. So, yeah, if you drive through, uh, if you drive from Columbus to Cincinnati, uh, when, if, when you guys are uh, out touring. You'll see signs for Zena. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not far off the right. No, off the highway. I, I've seen that too. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I've I've seen the signs, and also on that same drive, I remember. Uh, well, it's been a long time, but mm-hmm. I remember seeing like a farmhouse that had like a beat up farmhouse, right? Mm-hmm. That had a big rebel flag painted <laughs> onto the top of it. Yep. But that wasn't the disturbing part. The disturbing part was there was a big, huge cross that had been burned. Yep, sounds like Southern Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much right. Like, like, what do you guys think of? Uh, 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 we shouldn't get into it. But <laughs> well, there was I, a band. I that Ohio was a very strange state. Like it, we always it, called it, uh, Ohio the uh, pull me over state. <laughs> the pull well, me over state. What mm-hmm. does that mean? The pull me over state. Yeah, because you got pulled over uh, a lot uh, here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Call me over. I'm not from here. So there's a um, 
there was a band back when we used to play. It was they were called Silo the Husky, and uh, they had a song called Northern Southern, which sort of encapsulates the like Columbus is very metropolitan, very not like the rest of Ohio. And when you get yeah. anywhere outside of Columbus, east, west, north, south, all of a sudden it becomes the south. Like you <laughs> see rebel flags, you see, yeah. you know, all yeah. these very southern aspects. But it's even it doesn't matter where you are geographically to Columbus, it becomes the south. Cool. And that that's exactly. where that's 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 that was, that was weird about Ohio. It's like, really? Yeah. 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 Cle- Cleveland's but, not like that. No, I mean, Cleveland's. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Urban, but, yeah. but not unlike where I, I came from, which is a northern state. But, oh, my God, you, you, you know, rednecks all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in fact, you know, from traveling around all these years in the U.S. and other countries, once you step foot outside of a major city, there's rednecks every place. doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. To be in Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington, <laughs> Germany, wherever. They're all over the place. Yeah. And and I think it's not to excuse it here, but you know, racism is pretty rampant in Europe. <laughs> just as much as, as it still exists here, which just for whatever reason we don't focus on it, but like uh, they have a huge problem with like international soccer in Europe and like people being outwardly, you know, racist to players and stuff it's crazy yeah over 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 a a kid's sport right yeah Yeah. i mean same here but yeah i mean of course europe has always been like that you know the germans hate the french the french hate the dutch the dutch hate the italians the italians hate the germans (laughs) you know and and we've always uh um um uh related that to like if you lived in you know in Ohio, you know, you guys hate people from Pennsylvania and, mm. and, you know, uh, uh, you don't like people from Michigan because they're different or what, you know, mm-hmm. same thing. That's a football <laughs> thing. Funny. Well, I was telling, um, <laughs> yeah, good one. I was telling a guy, uh, I met here who's from Texas and he was asking me about Cincinnati and I was like, Look, you have to understand. I'm from Cleveland. Cincinnati and Cleveland are dramatically different. He's like, "What? It's all Ohio." I'm like, "No, no, no. You don't understand." I was like, "Cincinnati is basically Kentucky. I mean, you're five minutes from Kentucky." I was like, yeah, right. You know, Cleveland is like Rust Belt. You know, it's like a mini Chicago kind of vibe. It's like a totally different, you know, mindset and people and and everything. Right. He's like, he, he kind of c- couldn't yeah. wrap his head around that. I was like, it's. Yeah, Isn't that funny there. in the in the same state? Right. And, That's yeah, why it's yeah, the biggest swing state in Europe. Oh yeah, right, right. Well, California's the same way. I mean, there's there's you know Northern California and Southern California. Right. True. Yeah, very different. Could be two different planets. For well, some reason, what... we don't like each other. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> <we don't> like... <laughs> other than they have. Uh, uh, stars on their bellies and we don't uh i think texas is the same way except it's um dallas and everybody else <laughs> oh yeah no no dallas isn't part of texas <laughs> everybody agrees on that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> even people not from texas yeah that's not texas <laughs> how much time did you guys spend in austin when you're recording the record oh about uh a week and a half that is that the most time you spend here? 
in in Texas? It, yeah, well, in Austin. No, if you um, you know, if you added it all up, I live there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've been going to Austin for years. You know, it's yeah. changed quite a bit than how it used to be. Now right. it's so crowded. How did you end up there? Like, do you like living there? Yeah, I took a took a job. Lived here for the job, and we love yeah. it. What are you doing? I uh, well, I was a design director, design websites. That's basically what I still do. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I just I just do it for a company that's in Columbus now, and I work from home, so I get to live here and enjoy all the barbecue and the weirdness oh, and yeah? the, the good okay. weather. And, so, so- so, so here's something about Austin and, and mm-hmm. barbecue, since you mentioned barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, most uh, all my Austin friends are like, man, you can't get good barbecue in Austin. Man, the Stubbs and, and, and all those other places, man, they got dry barbecue. You got to go out of town to get barbecue. You got to go way out of town to get barbecue. So do you feel that same way? Uh, Can you get good barbecue in Austin? <coughs> Where's the best, um, where you can the best barbecue much- place in Austin? You can get good barbecue like anywhere in Central Texas. <laughs> right, right. Maybe, that, maybe that's what they mean. Like maybe, yeah, probably downtown. Uh, downtown. You'd have, to go, you'd have to go to like the East Side to get like Franklin or something like that. But um, Lockhart is like a town. I took Tim uh, when he was here. Probably I don't know, thirty minutes south of Austin. It's like right. the mecca of barbecue. Um, it was so amazing. You do, you do have to go. You have to go out of town to get good barbecue. Then. Yeah, and there's a place out here. I live a little bit outside the city, and there's a place out here called Driftwood. That's, or I'm sorry, uh, Salt Lake in Driftwood. It's probably. Oh yeah. yeah, Salt Lake. Right. I've never yeah. been to the original Salt Lake. No, but I uh, I've been out to uh, Opie's Barbecue. We've been out there before. No, which, no, Opie's. That one is out by <laughs> Willie Nelson's Ranch. Oh, okay. Uh, the fuck is that place called? Um, not Dripping Springs, but uh, I live in Dripping Springs. You do? Yep. Man, I remember. I remember stopping one time on tour in Dripping Springs and getting like amazing, like oven fried food, catfish, deep fried everything. God damn, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Oh, Neil, I remember. I don't know what the place was called. It's like you just found it, stopped, ate, and it was amazing. And that was it. <laughs> uh, Opie's is in Spicewood. So, yeah, that's a little bit. Uh, Spicewood. Spicewood, yeah. For me. That one's really good, man. They have this, you you, uh, you go inside, and they open up this giant trough, and huge trough. And, and you just, like, pick your meat, and it's like, wow, amazing stuff. Pick your sides. You had a... a, a Spinach, uh, jalapeno spinach, uh, type of thing. Green spinach, you know? Nice. Good ribs. I don't think I've been to that one. Uh, maybe I, maybe I have been to this one. Like you, you go in, it's kind of like a buffet kind of thing looking. Yeah. You, just, yeah, you tell them exactly. what you want. It, yeah. Was there a, is there a gun in the parking lot? Like a giant smoking gun? Uh, maybe. <laughs> you guys, you would have remembered that. <laughs> it's like a ten foot, like giant gun with smoke coming out of it, like real smoke. Uh, <laughs> I don't. 
I did go with the honky guys, and, and uh, you know, they, they took us there. And afterwards, we went over to uh, Willie Nelson's place. And he's got a golf course out there and stuff, and, uh, you know, hanging out at Willie Nelson's place. Yeah. I bet. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's not the same place. The place I went to, oh, I think, okay. is across the street. That place is great, though. Yeah, I'm going to have to go there. That's uh, Across good. the street. <laughs> across the street from Obie's. Yeah. It's called Andy's. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Like, every, you know, probably half mile, there's a there's a good barbecue place. I mean, Yeah, and yeah. Exactly. They're not all famous, but... <laughs> Well, Buzz had the thing. He's like, man, you, you slathered that shit with barbecue sauces off the thing. So, all barbecue is good. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the thing about Lockhart was it wasn't slathered with a bunch of sauce. It was like we got we both got brisket, and it was just that the we barely put any sauce on it. It was just that the brisket was like perfect. Like, so that's they, like Memphis style, then, right? Except Memphis, they do ribs. Yeah, uh, Texas style is is dry. Like so, there's no right, 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 right. No right. sauce, but they always they always have it. They always have it on the side, though, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they'll give it to you. But uh, I, I like Rudy's even. Like that's like the chain. Yeah. Uh, that that one that one's okay. I remember when we were uh, recording that record uh, uh, near the studio that we we're uh, recording at in Austin. There was a Rudy's and we went there. Got some barbecue. Yeah, man, Rudy's is good. A lot of people. Because it's a chain that you know it's not going to be good, but it's actually pretty damn good for, for yeah, a chain. Not, yeah, not bad at all. And they go, always got a gas station, so I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 here's a good one. Since you live in Texas, have you been to uh, uh, Bucky's? Yeah, we've driven by them. I can't remember if we stopped. But... Oh, you got to go to Bucky's. <clears throat> like the most amazing truck stop that doesn't allow truckers. It doesn't allow <laughs> truckers. Nope. Why do they well, have so many gas, like, literally they have, like, they'll have, like, 50 or 100 gas, like, pumps. They do. It's What's amazing. going on with that? Because you can get gas <laughs> without being interrupted. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of people on 35, which is the main highway through Texas, you know, north, south through Texas, but, like, you go by it, and it's like an amusement park for gas. Oh, I know. If there's a Bucky's every time I stopped for gas on the road, oh my god, life would be so easy. Are the bathrooms as nice as they claim? I wouldn't there? have to have to come home. Yeah. Oh, and there's so many stalls. <laughs> They're all. <laughs> Did you see one of those? It's the most when amazing you truck stop ever. Oh my god. I mean, you don't know how many years I've spent in like shitty truck stop stalls, just like going, ah, stop. Yeah, uh, Bucky Bucky's is just like heaven, heaven on the road. Absolutely. I I think anybody who's been in a band, what regardless of what level you've made it to, the one of the biggest issues is dealing with bathrooms when you're out when you're traveling. Like oh, I yeah. think we even so we like, even joked about creating an app for bands that would just locate the the best bathroom nearby. Oh yeah, that would be perfect. Or laundry or anything like that at all. Yeah. I mean, you know. You know, invention of cell phones and, and, and GPS and things like that. Like, how the fuck did we survive back yeah. then? I mean, we didn't yeah. have this shit. How did we do this? I can't believe it, you know? It's like, I mean, you know, going out now, being the age we are, we just, without that shit, we'd just, like, 
home. <laughs> <laughs> well, just getting to the gigs, like we we'd have to print out the instruction, like the from you know oh, yeah. go online we'll and print them the out. Then, yeah, on the side of the road and call the guy. Uh, how do you get to the gig? You know, and we did that in Europe. <laughs> oh man! Oh wow! I can't even. We just had to deal with Kentucky. I can't imagine Europe. <laughs> that was when everybody was roughing it, you know. Things couldn't be better now in the uh, day and age that we're in. And it's all happened so fast, it seems. Oh, like no. even, Look at us now. We're a three-way conversation. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. We three-way before. No way. No. And this, and if you were on Skype, this could be a video call, which is like crazy. Whoa. Yeah, well, we could probably, are you guys on iPhone? I mean, we could probably uh, do an iChat. You, you could switch to FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm on my laptop. I'm on my, I guess I could, I'm on an iMac, you know, I'm on a Mac no, computer, forget so. It. Forget but, it uh, then. <laughs> Old school. Yeah, I know. I'm Old still game. rocking the laptop. They don't have the internet yet in Columbus. Oh, stop. (laughs) I'm rocking 18 gigs, megabytes a second here. It's no, it's no Google fiber that you got or whatever it is, but down in Austin, your fancy Google fiber and your barbecue. Oh yeah. Does he? He's got some fancy hookup. Uh, we have the, uh, gigabit ethernet in Austin. So, it's like super fast fiber Ethernet or uh, internet. Mine's so. supposed to work good, but it's kind of sucks. Yeah, I had terrible in, in Ohio. I could not get a good good service. And when I moved down here, I was like, oh my God, how did I live? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so spoiled. Yeah, exactly. We were streaming like. I was streaming two football games, one on my computer, one on my iPad. My wife was streaming HBO on her iPad, like all at once. I was like, this is glorious. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jay, thanks for rubbing it in as I Sorry. buffer trying to download an MP3. But uh, yeah. So when are you headed out on tour? Uh, we're going to leave on the uh, 26th. Do a West Coast tour for a couple of weeks and then go to Europe. Okay. Where the internet will completely suck, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's gotten better. We'll see. We haven't done it in a few years. So. <laughs> but yeah, there's 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 some place where the internet's like a big commodity. You know, like, whoa. Kind of yeah. like ketchup. <clears throat> I went to uh, Scotland probably I don't know ten years ago, and <clears throat> even then, like internet in the U.S. was getting pretty accessible. You could find Wi-Fi at like, you know, most coffee shops and whatnot. And there, they're still, they were still charging, you know, per minute to sit at a coffee shop and use their Ethernet or use their Wi-Fi. And uh, the guy I was working with decided, <clears throat> we spent the afternoon, an hour or two, like checking email and whatever, went back to the hotel and he needed to like video chat with his, with his wife and kids so he decided to go back and try to poach the internet from the from the internet bar and uh so he's sitting on the stoop out front <laughs> and they busted him like they, they lived above oh. 
they lived above the, the internet cafe and they were like, what are you doing? Oh, like, nothing. Crazy. They're like, you're stealing the internet. <laughs> and like, they came and like chased him, man. It was like, they were wow. pissed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. It's like, um, you know, if you tour around the U.S., it's like the, 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 uh, uh, the cheap hotels have free Wi-Fi. Right. The business hotels, they charge you for it. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and even other, and other countries, too, where they charge like $20 a day to use the Internet, where you go to like cheaper hotels, like, it's free. Mm-hmm. Crazy, you know? Yep. Where at in Europe are you going to be? Uh, kind of all over, uh, UK and mainland Europe, uh, Germany, Italy, uh, all over. Do you, uh, do you guys like rent your gear when you do that or you haul gear over there? Well, we actually own our own gear that lives in Bristol and we've owned our own, own gear for a while. But, uh, yeah, know. yeah. I mean, so it's just in storage? Uh, yeah, more or less. Huh. <laughs> I always wondered about that, how bands did that. Interesting. Yeah, well, otherwise you have to rent gear, but we kind of got smart because we figured out that uh, renting gear there was actually more expensive than just buying gear mm-hmm. one year. So we just ended up buying all of our own backline. And, uh, yeah. It's all over hmm. Europe. There you go, hopefully. <laughs> so you just sort of circle the tour so that you kind of come back around to where you started in order to store the gear again? That's sort of the thought. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at the tour dates. Jay, they're playing Croatia. (laughs) We are. Oh, cool. Have you ever played Bulgaria? Exciting for you? What's up? They were playing Croatia. Is that exciting for you that we're playing Croatia? Uh, Well, have you ever played Bulgaria? Uh, Warning if it's the same. Maybe. It's only exciting just because my experience with Bulgarians is that they love their rock and roll in a way that's <laughs> very uh, endearing. Oh, yeah. That's great. They go so, crazy? Yep. Did you go to a, a show there where they went crazy? or, or, or what, uh, what was uh, No, we did karaoke. <laughs> oh, nice. We work with some... We work with some uh, with some companies in Bulgaria, so we went over there and visited a while back, and yeah, they <clears throat> they love to do eighties eighties uh, metal karaoke, and then they have like and so some I, kind I'm of assuming that they have to like uh, get primer to do something like that. Like what oh they, yeah, uh, what do they what do they drink to uh, get in the mood? <laughs> what is Bulgarian? What's, what's the drink of Bulgarian? Oh, I don't Vodka? even know. Yeah. <laughs> bad beer <clears throat> I, I was frustrated because it, it hadn't occurred to me that when you're in europe <clears throat> at least there it was really hard to get a regular coffee <laughs> really? uh, what, oh, oh so like you mean other than like a latte or whatever yeah just like you know a regular american coffee you just I well you don't not... have to order that when you're there anyway i mean just to say uh, uh i'm cafe and pizza you know and then they bring you a coffee and it's like amazing it was That's great, but it was... The one thing like, the Europeans have on us, for sure, <laughs> is coffee. Oh, my God. They make a good coffee. I just didn't know how to order it. Like, I kept getting, like, the it's tiny the little... Coffee, those. And I'd be like, no, could you, could, can I get one of these, but, like, you know, a big mug of it? <laughs> Americano. You say yeah. Americano. Yeah. <laughs> 
El stupido americano. Right, pizza. right. That's That'll probably... get you a coffee with, uh, you know, yeah, whatever you want in it. Yeah. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember we were on tour one time in uh, Europe, and it was a more common thing here to order a uh, iced coffee. But uh, we were in Belgium, and Buzz ordered an iced coffee at the cafe that we were at. And so he got uh, coffee, and then on another tray, they brought him an ice cube. <laughs> ice? Ice? <laughs> coffee. There you go. Yeah. Ice coffee. Just drop it in. 12 euros, please. Well, the, the ice was another thing. Like, I was shocked that... Yeah. I couldn't get ice, so I'm surprised you actually no, got an no, ice. No, 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 ice. Oh, whoa, ice is big. You can't get ice. Yeah. Or ketchup. Ketchup, they charge you for that too. What? Yep. Oh yeah. You order like a, a Coke there, and it basically they bring you like a small cup of Coke with no ice in it. Like here no. you go. Nope. Yep. Like there you go. Enjoy. Okay. Uh. Well, I'm sure you guys have figured all that out by now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started on trying to do laundry there. Because <laughs> of the change? Because for some reason it takes like hours and hours to wash your clothes and dry your clothes. Hmm. For whatever reason. And yeah, the, ch- the change thing too, but like, yeah, to figure out how to... For some reason, it takes like hours and hours for your clothes to get dry, and they still never get dry, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> it's in the dryer for like four hours; they're still wet. I don't huh. know why. It sounds like they have a nationwide or 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 some sort of ventilation issue. It's not getting enough hot air. Maybe that probably could fix the economy over there. So many, you know, bring a a dryer, a clothes dryer over. They could. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's a way to soak people of their coins. You just keep putting more coins in to keep running the dryer. Yeah. It actually might be kind of brilliant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our dryers are too efficient. That's the problem. They are. That's what it is. They use too much energy. <laughs> We're wasting electricity. We are. That's what no, we do I, best. I actually, I actually uh, complained to one of my friends from Germany. like, what the fuck's the deal with laundry here? It's like, your clothes never get dry. It's like, well, that's because we can put them on the line and we don't have to uh, dry them in the dryer. It's like, okay, well, what do you do in the wintertime then? But, 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 but. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're, they're claiming they, they dry them on a clothesline? That's what he was trying to say. It's like, yeah, oh. yeah, they do. <laughs> Where your, your your shirts are like stiff as a board <laughs> right. after sitting outside. And, you know, yeah, what do you do in the wintertime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bullshit. Fucking pl- Europeans. Oh. <laughs> All right. It's uh, we've All hit the right, eleven. We're o- done here, right? No, well, we've hit the eleven o'clock hour in on the East Coast. I know you guys uh, have uh, plenty of time to do whatever you want over there in the Central and Pacific time zones, but uh, some of us have uh, jobs to go to at seven o'clock in the morning, so we have I'm, to. Uh, I'm just busy plotting my next trip to uh, Opie's. There you go. Oh, nice, nice. Getting directions here. 
Yeah, and you just have to roll out of bed and walk over to your your desk. I know. You don't have a commute to worry about. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to... Plus, I'm the one who's going to edit all this somehow. So, All right. Well, you can, you can edit out all the stupid shit. And the, you'll, you'll no, that's the best out. part. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the stupid <laughs> yeah. shit is the, so it's edit, the gold. Edit out all the serious stuff and then, yeah. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah, just do the second nah, hour. Do what you want, dude. I was talking about barbecue. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about barbecue all the I'm just gonna have a special barbecue section of the podcast that people can go to specifically to talk to hear our barbecue discussion. So, um, so yeah, I'm just looking at the tour dates just so everybody who's listening uh, at this point is aware. Starting August 26th, there's. Uh, Shows in California through the 9th of um, September with stops in Oregon and Boise and Salt Lake City, Nevada, so and, and Las Vegas, Nevada. And then from there, the 13th through October 10th, a lot of shows in Europe. That's uh, yep. qu- quite almost every day. That's, That's uh, the way we like it. Did you, did you, get, you guys got to take a day, a day off. Here or there, right? Just to tra- for travel purposes, or to yeah, enjoy some local cuisine. No, nah, I mean you know usually if we have a day off, we're traveling. Gotcha. We don't like sitting around with our thumbs up our ass, you know. Get to the next town, get the gig over with, so we can get home quicker. Yep. Gotcha. Well, safe travels on all of that, and thank you. Looking forward to hearing. To looking forward to hearing the music with uh, Steve and and Ty. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Actually, it was great having you, know, you uh, on. Uh, there's a there's a new Melvin's record coming out. Did I tell you guys about this? No. no. No, we didn't talk about new stuff. Oh no. What's going on? Yeah. Well, uh, we have a a new record that we've been working on called Bases Loaded, and. Uh, it's, uh, like it sounds, all uh, different bass players on the record. Uh, Steve McDonald played some songs with us, joined the Melvins, played some uh, extravagant bass parts, uh, Paul McCartney, and uh, let me see, who else is on the record? Jared and the Big Business Fellows, of course. Um, Trevor Dunn, who we've done stuff with in the past, Melvin's Light, uh, all kinds of touring and stuff like that. I even played bass on it. A couple of songs with the uh, Melvin's uh, uh, 1983 version of the band, with the uh, original drummer in the band. And then uh, Chris Novoselic played uh, bass and accordion on the song. Cool. So please that's wait, please tell me, please tell me there's a cover of Big Bottom on it. Oh, gosh. Shit. Where <laughs> <laughs> every bass player on the record plays plays at once <laughs> yeah i know i know i know that'll be at the record release party everybody's there big bottom i'll let it, you know that, for sure and then also be. at the same time we've uh uh finished a record that we actually started in the 90s 1999 we did this record with uh mike kunka who was the bass player from godhead silo uh, those guys had a, a pretty good career going, and he was uh, on Sub Pop Records, 
and at the time had talked us into doing a record with him where it was uh, three bass players, more bass players, there we go, uh, uh, called Mike and the Melvins. And we uh, recorded that way back then, and then uh, somehow that record got shelved because uh, Mike disappeared into thin air, and nobody knew where he was, and all of a sudden he came back out of nowhere and decided he wanted to help finish the record. <laughs> so okay. that's coming out. It's going to be our first time ever on Sub Pop. Mike and oh, the Melvin. Yeah. We've never been on Sub Pop. Well, it took you long enough. Popular belief. Yeah, I know. Finally. Finally. Now they have to pay us. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. No, weren't you guys on... Well, I guess that wasn't... You were on the... Um, that wasn't a Sub Pop release. It was that compilation, nope. the Deep Six nope. compilation. Nope. nope. Not on Sub Pop. Nope. That's right. Okay. Ever, ever. ever. First time ever, Melvin's on Sub Pop. You have a page on the Sub Pop site. It just says Mike and the Melvins. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like it came <laughs> out great. There's no information about the album or anything. It's just. Oh, it's great. It's called, it's called Three Men and a Baby. Nice. I was really name? hoping. I was really hoping the bass is a loaded album. Yeah. Say what? Say say what? 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 Jay, go. Is that a play on Mike and the Mechanics? No, 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 no not at all. Just sounds good. Yeah. Mike and the Melvins. Yeah. It's good alliteration. Okay. Yes. Tim, you were gonna say? I was gonna say. Uh, I I I was kind of hoping when you said the album was called Basis Loaded, it was gonna be a baseball themed record, like you were gonna cover like Center Field by John Fogerty and maybe. Uh, yeah. Right. Some other baseball themed songs, but oh, well, there, there, there may be a baseball themed song on the record. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I look forward that. to hearing it. A little mystery, yeah. Excellent. I'm on. How do you know we're big baseball fans? Or did you guys know that? No idea. Really? Are you guys What's baseball fans at all? I'm not I a baseball fan. I used yeah. to be. You used to work for a okay. baseball team, Tim. I did used to work for a baseball team. What? I was an intern for the Buffalo Bisons of the AAA uh, International League, which was the Cleveland affiliate at the time. And um, yeah, I I worked in their radio department. I would uh, I would pick up I would pick up the faxes off of the fax machine and take it to the press box where the play by play guy would read off the box scores at the bottom of the innings. That was my job. And then at the end of the game. I would take the mobile mic down to the field and I would get the player of the game to be interviewed by the uh, press box. Oh, right. But you didn't so, care about baseball at all? Well, I, I, you know, I did at the time. I've lost my interest in, in baseball. I think that being an Indians fan and having them be on the precipice of going to the World Series in 95 and then having the strike um, yeah. and, then, and then having the Jose Mesa – uh, ninth inning collapse against the uh, Marlins. Um, brutal. It started sort of destroying my <laughs> my uh, love of the game. I also I think you that um, yeah, I I played it as a kid. I mean, it was a minor league or not a minor. I was a little leaguer and stuff like that. And um, right, right. I didn't have the love for it the way that people who you know I didn't pursue the, after the internship uh, the any 
any sort of job in baseball after that. So I clearly wasn't my thing. I, I enjoyed the internship. It was fun. And I got to hang out with some cool people and meet some interesting players. But, um, you know, it just, I don't know. There's something about that. I, I've never really, I, even though I was a sports management major, there was something about the interaction with athletes that actually made me uncomfortable. I don't know. I wasn't like, I'm not that jockish, I guess. So, well, because because they weren't nice, then you mean? Like, no, like, it wasn't that. There's nice. There's just a you know, there, it's a very testosterone sort of atmosphere, and right, I don't right, right. that that I'm a little bit more. I'm not that alpha, I guess I'd say. So, so like, do you mean you, do you mean that you had like a lot of like macho attitude around you then while you were doing that position? Oh yeah, then, I mean there was there was definitely like there were certain guys in the locker room who were definitely like. You know, they were pretty type A, like macho type right, guys. Right. There were there were well, a few guys <laughs> that weren't, but I don't sure. know. It just sort I of mean, turned me off. I can I can understand that as well because I mean, uh, I played baseball so I was probably about thirteen, and that's right when I was starting to get into music, and mm-hmm. that's when I was turned off to like all the all the jock guys, and I I really liked baseball, and um, didn't follow it until maybe eight, nine years ago. We finally okay. got back into it. Yeah, but but yeah, like I, I still think it's always like a dicks. What, <laughs> what, what's your team? Dodgers. Okay. That's not a bad see, team now to that, have right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but, but uh, I, so, I totally understand. I mean, like, I, I really like, I, I realize that uh, what I like is I like the game, you know, and the, and the players are the guys that, that those are the people I, I didn't like, you know, mm-hmm. John guys, mm-hmm. you know, um, but now, I mean, I missed, I missed like a, a decade and a half of, of watching baseball, but now I'm, I'm slowly into it, <laughs> but I still realize that all those players, like, yeah, those, those guys are, this is a dick, <laughs> yeah. but I still love them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah, I'm the, don't. I'm pretty much the same way with sports. I love sports, but I love the game. I don't necessarily love the people I'm rooting for. Right. <clears throat> but hey, rock and roll. Well, I like that sometimes too. Right. right. Well, with baseball too, it's like the guys in charge are really the managers anyway. You know. Mhm. Yeah, baseball is. Uh, it it needs to. It's funny that you got into it in the last ten years because I think that's probably when. Tim and I both tuned out. I was a huge Indians fan for a long time. And I don't know, like, I feel like the, the pace of the world is, is, is picking up so much. And the sort of the standard for entertainment is so fast paced now that when I watch baseball, it's just like excruciating how slow it is. Oh, really? A lot of people you know, a- like that aspect of it, but I just have a really hard time like adapting to um, slowing down. Do you mean- well, do you mean because it takes so much time in between what's going on? Yeah, I get annoyed with the. Uh, I, I love that they put the. They were testing the clock. Um, I, 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 I go nuts watching batters adjust their gloves and pull up their crotch and step out of the box and. Sure, but it's all it's all it's all psychological, and that's the thing about it that I love, you know. And I don't mind, I don't mind that stuff. I mean, that's that's where I just kind of like zone out on the whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind that stuff, you know. And I, I understand what's going on too. 
So yeah, it's slow pace, but there's, there's shit going on. You know, psych out. <laughs> I know. I just I and I and I used to love that stuff too, like the mental game part of it and the pay attention to all that. For some reason though, when I tune in now, I'm just like, I need I need action. So, right. I don't know. I keep hoping that that I'll. Uh, last couple of years, I've tried to get back into it and follow the Indians, and that also makes it tough. Is you, you got to have a team that like, I don't know. They're just such a uh, difficult team to get into because every year it seems like they either start off too slow, then they'll get hot, and then they blow it, or they'll start off hot, and then they'll blow it later after the yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> you're like uh. you're just de- you're just describing all Cleveland sports though for the most part. Yeah, but it's it's different with them. It's, I don't you know, think uh, I, Buzz, Buzz actually picked Cleveland to be one of the uh, uh, World Series contenders this year. Yeah, yeah, they were on uh, what's Sports Illustrated cover at least the regional cover. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Still, I mean, even even if uh, our team was losing, I think it's still be into it. So, and yep. I like all of that. <laughs> I like the space of the game. You know, I like the there's no clock, and you can just sit there and just like zone out and watch the game if you want to, or mm-hmm. whatever. It's fun live. I know. I'll, I'll see yeah, that yeah, football. Yeah, and that's that's different too because you can just like you know look at the field or people yep. watch or whatever. <laughs> yeah, especially minor league. Uh, the minor league. Oh team, yeah, almost are a blast. Oh yeah, there's that. Right there's that. Uh, um, well, in, in uh, um, uh, in uh, 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 Columbus, mm-hmm. right next to the club that we just played, there's that uh, minor league park right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Have you, you guys been there? Yep. Yeah, it's that great. Looks great. Yeah, it's fun. It's only about five years old, right, Jay? Uh, yeah, it's not very old. Yeah. But... It, it looks brand new, but like um, we played uh, Columbus uh, two times in the last few years, and both times the team's out of town. Otherwise, I would have gone mm. for sure. Yeah, it's right there. Why not? You know, <coughs> minor yeah, league games can, are fun too. Like five bucks to fun get in, you can to. walk around and eat, and yeah, exactly. Have fun. Dime a dog. Dime a dog. That's the way yeah. to go. <laughs> Here's some of those southern <laughs> accents in Ohio. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a weird one too. Like the Ohio accent, like a really weird accent. Do we have an accent? Yeah. <laughs> really? But there's, like the, but, there, but there's like the southern accent and like the uh, uh, um, the northern accent, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our one of the guys that works for us is a. Uh, 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 Cliff, uh, he played in the band Isis. Okay. You guys know that band? I do, yeah, I know that band. Uh, uh, yeah, he's from he's from Ohio. <laughs> Lives outside of Cleveland, and he's definitely got like a Cleveland accent. Yeah, Cleveland definitely has a. I pick up on it now. I listen to a lot of Cleveland sports talk, and I totally can pick up on it now. When I lived there, I couldn't. I I didn't hear it, but now I totally hear it. Right, but actually, Columbus is—I think it's considered like the new, the most neutral of all accents. It's kind of the 
the joke of Columbus is that it's uh, the test market capital of America. So like whenever, you know, some fast food chain is going to introduce some new burger, they'll test market it there first. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it's like the the most vanilla sort of cross section of the country. Um, right. So I think the, the accent is uh, in the same, same area. All right, I'm going to go right, before right. I start coughing. All right. All right. Uh, thanks. thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. All right. All right. Have a good night. You yeah. too. Good night. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I want to remind you, if you have an album for us to review, please head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com. Request a review on our request a review page. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over on iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Mm-hmm.